Welcome to Savvy Saps Podcast on Call-In. This is episode 110, Cornell West 2024. Dr. West has announced he is running for president outside the duopoly through the People's Party. What are your thoughts? Let's go ahead and bring in Brady. I see you are lined up. Welcome, my friend. You just have to hit the unmute uh, button and then I have to make sure my volume is up. There we go. Microphone check. I can hear you. How's it going? Good to see you. Crazy synchronicities going on right now. This is the conversation I've been waiting to have for decades. I've been trying to get Dr. West to run for president. And I'm so glad that the vibes finally worked. You know, all my prayers did something like, and um, it's so weird though, that he joined the people's party. You know, I think that just goes to show that Harvard will hire anyone, you know, like I love Dr. West, but we disagree on a few things. Christianity being a big one. I'll say that he's probably, I'm more comfortable voting for Dr. West than any other Christian I can imagine. I think he's a perfect representative of Christianity. If, if they need a if Christianity needs a new leader, Dr. West is that guy. And so even if he doesn't win presidency, I think this is going to be such a good moment for Christianity as a whole and kind of an examination of the cult of Yahweh as a whole at the same moment. I know a lot of people are going to be kind of uh, that's probably one of the criticisms that's going to be uh, used against Dr. West is that he is a Christian, you know, so openly as well, you know. Um, but I'm so happy to see it happen. He's been my personal teacher, you know, spiritual leader for years. And, uh, you know, I think I've floated his name as a presidential candidate here before. I think someone mentioned it, Sister Solja. Uh, set him straight back in the day, and I actually watched that, and that was that was actually really good criticism. If, I think if you guys want to see a good criticism of Dr. West, I would recommend that Sister Soldier video of them way back in the day having an argument. It was really good. But yeah, I think CJ, Sister Soldier. I, I was going to say Soldier's CJ, um, CJ has played that clip a couple of times on RBN. I think Sister Soldier might have gone Donald worshiper though. So and and and. Dr. West defense <laughs> <Out of history. laughs> like, I don't know. I have to check with her again. I might be getting her mixed up with someone else, but like, I think I saw some, some recent stuff from her and she was like saying good things about Kanye and stuff. I was like, okay. And, but uh, yeah, so excited to have this conversation. I'm wondering if you guys are ready to have the conversation about a proxy party yet, because Nick Brana's nonsense. First of all, Stop calling it the People's Party. We need to start calling it Nick Brana's Party because that's what it is. It's not the People's Party. It's Nick Brana's Party. So let's just call it the Nick Brana Party from now on, just for so, funsies. Just for so there, there's something interesting I, about that that I, I wanted to mention. I actually Googled Movement for a People's Party, and you guys can do the same right now. I Googled Movement for a People's Party, and I clicked on the link for MPP. And when I went to that link, it took me to the website, but the website was blank and there was one of those little like alert symbols as though, you know, obviously the information had been uh, removed. Right. So then I went back to Google and then I saw People's Party and I clicked on that link and that took me to People's Party uh, website. But what was really strange is I noticed 
it appears they must have rebranded their self because now when you go onto the website, they used to have a list of like the leadership, like the board members and all that jazz. And Nick Brana's name was, was listed on the website. Now, if you go to the People's Party website, his name is nowhere to be found. And I also noticed I went to his Twitter page and his Twitter under his, uh, his Twitter byline if I'm not mistaken, I could have sworn when I interviewed Nick Brana, his title was director of the People's Party. Now on his Twitter page, it says chairman or chair of People's Party. But then after that, it says rage against the war machine. And if you look on his Twitter page, it doesn't look like he's actually been doing anything with People's Party for a while. All I mainly saw was the Rage Against the War Machine stuff that he's been doing with Jose. So I wonder if the party asked him to take a back seat. I mean, I think that he should step down, like, regardless. Like, Nick Brana has, has had numerous issues um, with, with his leadership. So I'm wondering if they rebranded because their website used to say movement for a people's party. And now it just says people's party. Like it's different now. So a lot of things have been removed and I'm just like, I'm curious. That's all I'm going to say. I am. I'm very curious. I'm, I'm curiously skeptical as well. You know, I trust a lot of Dr. West's judgment, but this one, I'm like a big WTF on this one. And I would recommend that while we're, you know, <clears throat> while we're in solidarity with the people's movement and the people's party, I think that it would be beneficial to start building our own alternative parties outside of the people's party, just in case they turn into another libertarian tent or green party, you know, something like this, something, unless they, in case they fail to correct their already exhibited behavior. I think we need to build an organic, legitimate, progressive, legitimate lefty party and then also build a party specifically to uh, bring everyone together, like an olive branch party that unites, you know, the left and the right. And then um, encourage people to make as many parties as possible. And keep in mind that a political party can do more than just get someone elected. A political party can serve as a mutual aid network to actually achieve the political goals we want to achieve all year long and to experiment with power. I think one of the First things on the proxy party platform is the importance of transparent and flexible leadership. Uh, and that's exactly the issue we're having right now with the people's party is their leadership is a not transparent. We don't know if he's in or not. We don't know if he's in or out. We don't know where he is. He's in this vague kind of who like the wizard of Oz behind some green curtain pulling the strings, you know, no transparency. And then two, there's no flexibility in leadership. We can't like they haven't been able to just kick him out of there. And um, it's just so weird to see a whole group of I don't know how many people are involved with the, with the People's Party. But is there not enough of you that you can get together and collectively just do y'all's own thing now? You know, like, are y'all really under this man's control? Like, well, that's break what, out of the cold. Well, that's one of the things about having a board. The board can can vote him out. Um I do know uh, there were requirements that were made, uh, at least when I when I interviewed uh, Nick Brana, that that he was supposed to fulfill. Uh, and and that came from directly from the board. 
But it appears to me, uh, based on what I've seen, uh, particularly on his social media, it seems like he doesn't seem to be as involved as he was before. And it seems like his main focus is that rage against the war machine um, organization that he's uh, working with, with the Libertarian Party. And I don't know, like, uh, it was really funny to me, though, for Crystal and Kyle to assume that Cornell West didn't know what People's Party was or what they were about when he was actually a part of the advisory board at one point. There were multiple people where Ryan Knight was. Um, Ryan Knight, I think, was the first person to step down um, from MPP advisory board. Uh, and then others stepped down as well. Like, I think Susan Sarandon was a part of this at one point in time. Like, there were a lot of people, like Ron Pacone was a part of it. Like, Lee Camp was on it. It wasn't just... You know, everyone keeps saying Jimmy Dore, like there were several people that were on the board. And I think it was interesting to me that when people would criticize the People's Party, they would always point to Jimmy Dore and say he's on the board. And they wouldn't mention any of those other people that were also on the board of the People's Party. And that's why I felt like some of these people were just infiltrators and they were just coming out trying to attack Jimmy, like just because of his anti-democratic party stance. And I said before, even some of the people that were a part of MPP, you know, come to find out, I said, you know, over time, you know, things will reveal itself. Some of those people were infiltrators, not all, but some of them were. Some of those people were still a part of the Democratic Party. And so you're, you're always going to have that type of situation Um with any organization, you, there's always going to be like infiltrators or people trying to infiltrate. But I think that the the really important thing here is just how it just seemed really like people on social media, not just Crystal and Kyle, incredibly naive about the fact that Cornell West was a part of the People's Party. He didn't just wake up one day and get a phone call and someone says, hey, would you like to run with this party? He was already a part of it and he was a part of the advisory board at one point. So it was really interesting to me how people did not do their research. Yeah. And so uh, what do you think? Should we start building more new parties outside the People's Party just in case they don't act right, which I think is likely? And just give and then invite Dr. West and not not only invite Dr. West, but invite uh, RFK Jr., invite Marion Williamson, invite um, Jill Stein, Ajamu Baraka. Uh, there's a lot of really good people out there we could be inviting as candidates, including Ralph Nader, maybe even, you know. Um, yeah, I, I think I hear what you're saying. I think RFK Jr. is not going to leave the Democratic Party. Um, he's been pressed on this issue multiple times. I I, I, yeah, I, I don't think so I don't think he's going to leave it because he's been questioned about that multiple times and he's been pressed about it. So I don't see him going in that direction. Um, but I think, you know, every every party has issues. It's not just the People's Party, like the Green Party. I told you tonight they had their issues and then they also had issues in reference to the mandates, too. Now, I mentioned like the rigging of the primaries, but the mandates was another thing that they. Yeah, and I was going to mention, I never really had much faith in American royalty in the first place, but I don't want to talk too long. Um, I'll pass the joint and I'll just say force the toke. Let's get cannabis legalized and let's get food for all the kids. And uh, there's a thousand things we could be getting done completely outside of our own government. If we just organized together and did it, we could seriously solve a lot of our major problems within six months. 
if we just organized and took the action ourselves outside of relying on government to do anything because they don't work for us. Awesome. Thank you uh, so much, uh, Brady. Let's go ahead and bring in um, Ashura. Ashura, you're on the mic. Yeah. How's it going? Hey, how are you? What do you think about all this, Ashura? <laughs> uh, I think it's all cope. It's it, it's it's all cope for the shit libs. Um, like I said in the chat, like Crystal and Kyle, you, especially Crystal, she was not interested. And you can clearly see, like I said in that chat, like you weren't there, but Eric read it. it they missed their moment. It's like that thing... Uh, um, Cornell said about Bernie, he missed his moment, and he just let the movement die. And for for them, it's like, oh shit, they're stuck with a candidate nobody gives a fuck about. And then you had Cornell West, he's running with the MPP. Yeah, I, I think you bring up um really good points there, Shura, because you know, but this is, I think, you know, what happens sometimes when you we never know what could have happened behind the scene. It could be that maybe they could have asked Cornell West to run. We don't know. We really don't know. It, it, it may be that they did ask other people and not just Marianne. And maybe those people said no. So we, we don't know. But the thing is, is like, uh, what is it like my dad used to always say, like, don't be so quick to take the first offer. Don't be so quick to take the first. Cause like, you never know. And I think, I think where some of the frustration is coming from. And I saw it too from some of the people who are uh, Marianne Williamson like stands. I'm not talking about the people who say I support her, but I'm talking about the ones that are standing for Marianne. The attacks that they had on Twitter in reference to Dr. West and some, and these are people, some of these people I know, and these are people who love Dr. West. And I honestly think some of these people are just like, damn it the hell. I already publicly gave my support for Marianne, especially if they know Marianne personally so what now was just kind of like it make you look some kind of way because look let's be real people <laughs> and i'll go on record saying this because i don't give a damn cornell west is obviously a better candidate than marianne williamson yep. that's a given that's a motherfucking given okay <laughs> like that, that's not even a joke like and i think most people know that do you know how many people love cornell west not even just you know, and I don't mean stand for Cornell West, but they love like the things that he's done, the things that he's done for people in the community. Now, he's not perfect. And I don't agree with Cornell West on everything either. When you saw when I had him on last time, I told him, I said, I told him I disagreed with him that when he mm -hmm. said Joe Biden was not a fascist, I said, Joe Biden is a fascist. So we can disagree, you know, on, on the issues, you know, and, and still have respect for each other at the end of the day and agree to disagree on certain things and, you know, agree on the, th the things that we do agree on. Those are the kind of things like we can focus on. So I think the thing is, though, is that we all know, and, and I hate to say it, but this is second person after Marianne, then there was RFK Jr. Okay. Yep. It was obviously a given that RFK Jr. was a better candidate than Marianne Williamson. Now, as you guys know, I don't agree with his position on Israel and Palestine either. I've been very vocal about that. But where does he trump with Marianne? The war issue. The wars. That's a big one. 
uh, the pandemic, the, the, the lockdowns, like that bullshit, like their surveillance state, like calling out the CIA, like that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, he, he was a better, he's a better candidate than Marianne. And yeah, now so. you got Cornell West. So this is just a slap in the face. You guys know Cornell West has support in the black church. He has support, like, because yes, he is, he's Christian. He has support in the black church. He has support among civil rights activists. He has supports among people that are part of, still a part of the Black Panther Party from like back in the day and the new Black Panther Party. Cornell West has support among uh, professional academics. He has support among students. Like everybody loves Cornell West. Even some of the people on Fox News, although they may not agree with Cornell West on some of the universal policies, they still have admiration for him. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, like I've said, like those two clowns in their car, in the clown car, they basically like, fuck, if only we didn't go on Marianne and we pushed that guy. Oh, it would have been it would have been fucking hilarious. They would have it would have been the biggest grift ever if they had Cornell West. I guarantee you that would be the, the biggest grift well, it's ever. Not even, if, it's if, not even only that, Ashura, but that's someone who's actually from the Bernie movement. Yep. Like Cornell West worked on Bernie's campaign. So it's just like, how do you get, you know what I mean? It's like, well, I, don't know I, think. I know I, I cut you off. I know I cut you off, but here's the thing. Out of fucking Marianne Williamson, why couldn't they go after the female Cornell West, which is uh, Nina fucking Turner. They tried. People tried. Remember when she lost the second time when she ran for Congress? Remember when uh, Jordan Sheraton asked her if she would consider oh, okay. running for Remember that? So I want to go ahead and tell you another thing, guys. If you look on Twitter, Nina Turner supports Cornell West run. Really? Yes. I, oh, I, I thought like they said, I thought, I, I thought I was watching RBN and I thought they said, no, they all the shit lives were tanking uh, 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 Cornell for this shit. Not Nina Turner. Okay. Go look at go look at her comment. Mm. Go I mean, look at her comment. She said, that shit. she said, yes, yes, Cornell West, let's elevate this. Oh, that was her response to his announcement. <laughs> Do you think that will mend uh, the rift between her and Jimmy? <laughs> maybe, maybe I don't know, but it it, it shows oh. some type of it shows some type of dividing line. Like I didn't see her give that comment, that same response to Marianne. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, because I was like, mm. yeah. It, I don't it, really, really consider like for me myself. Like I don't really consider Nina Turner uh, to be a shit lib. I think Nina Turner is is progressive. Like I will say, like she has been. She was another one that was vocal about the reparations issue. Even when she was a part of the Bernie Sanders campaign, she tried to tell Bernie Sanders, like, you need to have like that on your platform. Bernie Sanders didn't agree with it. So I will say I don't consider Nina Turner to be a liberal. Now, I don't agree with her, you know, running through the Democratic Party. Um, but I was I was very vocal about that. But now I'm starting to wonder what if Nina Turner might choose to be a part of Cornell West campaign. Then what? Then what do you do now? All the people in, in left media that got on board with Marianne, what do you do? Oh, that it, it, it'd be a sinking boat. It'll be the Titanic. I mean, the, 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 the squad's already a fucking Titanic that sank. This will be the second Titanic that will sink under Kyle. 
Let me and, let me, uh, let me tell and you about like uh, episode of Days of Our Lives. Yeah, it's like I, it's like I call it uh, as the pipe as the pipeline turns. As the pipeline turns. That was funny. I mean, you you were fucking running from my super chat. My last super chat got you fucking running. <laughs> it's like he's like I'm sure I'm not gonna fucking say that shit. <laughs> days of our booty. No, yeah, no, no, that days of my booty. It was uh, what was it? Like, what did I fucking say? Um, pipe my booty. That's what, that was the one that got you fucking running. <laughs> pipe my booty. I'm sure I'm not fucking say that shit. Pipe my booty. <laughs> I was like, man, I don't know what happened to me today. I, I said, like, man, thirty fucking dollars of super chats for some fucking reason. These super chats have gotten really expensive. Normally, one super chat would cost me used to cost me two twenty. Now it's two thirty. Now it's two fifty three dollars Canadian. Oh, that's that's uh, CAD, right? Yeah, Canadian. Yeah, because yeah, that that shit is costing me money. Like, I don't know why they could keep fucking doing this shit, man. I mean, bricks is not happening sooner. Yeah, and I, as for the Amish kid, I mean, poor Amish kid. I mean, he was bitching about his right wing bullshit in that video. <laughs> that make no fucking sense. I mean, was no. like, I'm sorry, but I, I felt like he was trying to say it happened to him because he was LGBTQ, and I don't think that's why it happened. Yeah, I mean, Tyt took his fucking card. He took his membership card. He he was gone one once the. Leftist mafia uh, went after Anna Kasparian for that take. I mean, you could say, I mean, you could probably agree to a point with Anna on me over there because when they said that language has to apply to every woman, it means for they did, did, she did, she said her thing and they didn't like it. They trashed Jink and then they they, they pulled their card away. And after that, I mean, all all the associations, all all the perks, they went away. I mean, what did he expect? All that protection went away. I think someone said he just got it back. Oh, he got his, he's got his thing back? Yeah, oh, I think someone oh. said he just got it back. So that's good for him. But I hate to say it, but like I told people, like, it's rough out here in these streets. Uh, I guess he, he, he owes you guys an apology. No, I don't think he'll ever do that. Yeah, because when I when I super chatted you to leave him alone, I wanted to say leave that dipshit alone, and YouTube just wouldn't let me fucking write that shit. <laughs> I wanted to leave that dipshit alone, and then YouTube was like fucking censoring my words every time I fucking tried to send the money, and the YouTube was like, no, no, not not working. Change the fucking word. Change the word with something else. I'm like, fuck, man. Sure. You wow. better uh, join Roger on uh, Rockfin. <laughs> Yeah, Rockfin Rock don't, don't care at all. Oh, okay. I'll try. Well, well Rockfin is like five bucks every time I try. They, they ask for five bucks. Just to send a chat? Yeah. No, uh, Roger Meadows sends um, Rockfin tips that are only $2. Yeah, but that's because he's living in the States. I mean, they, oh, yeah, that's right. He's living in the States. Right, if you're in the States, they, they, they do some pandering shit, like, to the point where it's okay. But if you live in another country, you got to fucking pay more. Oh, so it's not just like two fifty Canadian? No, it's like five bucks. Every time I try, it's like five bucks I gotta put out. I'm like, fuck this shit. Oh, Rockfin might be harder on um on, international. Rockfin. I'm I'm yeah. wondering about that, Eric. Well, like, well, how can it be international? We're right next to I think you're probably lower than me or some shit on, on on the continent. I don't know, but I gotta tell you something. I sent uh my dad 
uh, Cornell West announcement video, right? And I, I, he was like, my dad was like, oh, snap. And then I sent him CJ's tweet. <laughs> CJ made a tweet that said, uh, um, Marianne Williamson, I'm running for president or something like that. Yeah. Let me, hold on. Let me look at it. I have it here because I sent it to him. It's really funny. What exactly did you send when, uh, I think it was today. No, I think it was the on the leftist, the, the, the post-duopoly left. You said something. I think, was it the video I sent you? Yep. <laughs> okay, because I was looking at the chat. I couldn't see the video. I was like, oh, shit, Stabby said something. I mean, that was like the best night ever. Seeing Nick just rant on these two motherfuckers. And then he did a, like a, a follow-up video. And he could he just lost it on those two. Yeah, okay, I found it. CJ tweeted, today, Cornell West running for a president. Marianne Williamson. Damn, damn, damn. In Florida Evans' voice. And I sent the meme with it. For those of you who don't know, like, um, Florida Evans was the mother on the show Good Times. And there was yeah. an episode after James died. You know what I'm talking about, Ashera? Yeah, I know the show. That's the show that basically they, they whipped somebody on the show. Like for the first time, I think it was, was it that one where well, you grabbed the belt and whipped the kid on, on live television? I think so. I think so. I think that did happen on good times. And that was like a yeah. big deal. But, um, but the thing is, is like, anyway, when James died, which was a Florida's husband, she was trying to pretend like nothing had happened. Like she was trying to carry on, like everything was fine not show that she was grieving and then it just finally hit her and she dropped the dish on the floor and she goes damn 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 and it's it's funny but it's not supposed to be funny and so over the years people have made memes about it like to make it and so i used to laugh at that and my mom would be like sabrina that's not funny and i'm like mom it is funny it was the way she did it <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if it is true that Nick Brana has stepped away, like I don't mind if Nick Brana goes to fucking work for the LaRouche people. I don't give a fuck. I mean, leave. Go work for them. I think he's focusing on that the uh, Rage Against the War Machine uh, anti-war thing. I think that's where his focus is now, um, yeah, according to Twitter. Yeah, because he needs to step away, like far away. Like, give somebody else. Like, the guy that was on the show, people were saying they would want him to basically to be the, the one leading the shit. Torn Walker? Yeah. I don't know if Torn would want to deal with that, but I don't know if he that's something he'd want to do. But uh, I mean, yeah, he would be a better leader. It's going to be yeah. a big question, like who will be Cornell West's campaign manager? You know, that seems like a, it's going to be a huge decision. Uh, I would pick Nina. I mean, you might want to have two peas to the same pod, the same pod we are. Dr. West might be like, hell no, you lost twice. Just kidding. <laughs> or a, a Jumbo Baraka. I mean, why would I they think not? It's a very specific command set. It, you don't I mean, you don't have a politician for your campaign manager. It'd have to be someone who who has some kind of experience in the area, but but that you can rely on. So it'll it'll be interesting. You just pray and hope he doesn't pick Brana. I don't think he would. That would be a blow. No. But <laughs> didn't Richard Wolf uh, run for for uh, run through the Green Party before back in the day? Decades ago, yeah. Oh, but again, yeah. it, that that's not a campaign manager, you know. Mm. It, it, he'll probably yeah. just pick someone you never heard of, you know. But we'll see. I'm one of those people that said like it was better if he just chose the you know the Greens too, because if he walked in and says he wants to join the Greens, how fast do you think they would dump Howie for him? 
Maybe he did. See, that's the thing I'll, I'll find out on Thursday. For all we know, Cornell West may have asked to run, run, run with them. For all we know. We don't know until I ask them. Okay, but well, what, what, the what, other what, thing with with the Greens is it, it the, the reason the People's Party may be more attractive is because you you can't like the the, the Greens have like know, it just seems like yeah well, well it's just who controls the Green Party you know it's it doesn't seem to really be the rank and file it it seems like you got a a, a small cadre of PMs white PMCers who control the green party. And I, I just think it would be, he probably figured it would be like Bernie all over again, where that where you, even if you got far, the party would screw you over. Whereas perhaps with the people's party, if Brana kind of goes to the side a bit, then maybe there's a potential where essentially West Chris Hedges and their people can take over the, the people's party. That would be, the ideal situation, I would think, and then you get the advantage of a, of a part, at least somewhat of a party infrastructure name. I know it's not much of a thing yet, but they can build it up. And so, you know, I, I would assume that's kind of the plan. Because I hope the answer is no, Sabrina, when he comes in. When, when's he coming in? Tuesday? Thursday? Thursday. This Thursday? This yep. Thursday? Big, yep. Two days. Big day Thursday. Okay, because if he's coming in, I hope the answer is no, he did not go there yet. Because I Could wonder. Go where I, yet? Yeah, at the Greens. But if he does, if he changes sides, does that look bad on him? For going from MPP to Greens? Um, I mean, other people have changed sides. <laughs> okay, because I'm like, it'd be much better because if he walks in there, man, just say, toss Howie, I'm going to basically put you guys on the map. And then a big part of any campaign like this will be ballot access. Because, yeah. Because now, if he goes to the Greens, then the shit lives will have to go shit on him hard. But the thing is, I I think just from what I've heard from people that are part of the Green Party, uh, things don't look too good over there either. Like I, I, it sounds like like there's issues. There was issue in reference to the mandates. That was a decision that was made by the higher ups. Remember, I Eric, you remember I did that panel with the Green Party people and I asked them about that. It was a decision made by the higher ups, and no, the party not, didn't support it as a strongly against it. Huh? But, yeah, the Black Caucus of the Green Party came out strongly against the mandate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They came against it. Yeah, but um, but if he's the leader of the party, if he becomes the leader of the Green Party, wouldn't yeah. he take what the fuck happens? No, guys, not listen. Really. Look at look at the Green Party's website. They got Ukraine wrong right now. Like they they are actually for NATO. I'm, I'm dead serious. Go look at their position on this war with Russia and Ukraine now. I mean, the, the other thing that occurs to me is that like the, the, the people's party, you know, it, it isn't really a party yet. And while that is certainly problematic in some ways, that may be a good thing because one of the problems with him trying to jump in on the green party is he would have to go through a whole kind of primary selection process and they might just not pick him anyways or something. It would be a oh, whole no, rigmarole with that. Whereas with the with the People's Party or whatever it is, he, he can kind of slide in and, and be the guy and just go for it. It's, well, it's basically going to be the Cornell West Party, I think. That, that's the funny part in that smug video of Crystal and Kyle. They were like, oh, you just want to appoint him as the de facto nominee. I'm like, you motherfuckers are doing the same thing with Marianne by anointing Marianne as the leftist candidate. They know.
Yeah, how dare they? That's the DNC leader's job. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing trying to pretend as if, like, you guys are not doing it? And, and that, that video was so fucking smug. You basically, you could pick it apart and basically saw a bunch of condescending, like, hypocr- hypocrisy. No, man, shit. Caleb, he was I on hate, fire, man. Now, listen, I hate to tell you guys this, but if you look at the comments under that video, the comments are in favor of Corn OS. Well, yeah, they, some of them did mention, like, if he voted for the Greens, but they all agree with him basically doing it. Like, <laughs> they must be fearing Marianne's going to be cut in half. But what does that tell you about their audience, though? That that tells you that even some of their audience members are willing to take a chance outside the duopoly. And I really do think this is the reason why they don't have voices like not just RBN, but post-duopoly voices on their show. Because if, if, if their audience heard, because think about it, a lot of people don't know who we are. If their audience heard the things that like Nick and, and CJ were saying at RBN, or if they heard the things that um, Kit from Hardland's media was saying or Do Dissonance was saying, if they heard that stuff and they'd probably sit back and think about it, like, well, damn, that does make sense. Yep. Then what? And the uh, last part I'll say, and I'll pass it to Zach. Man, how the fuck do you miss a, miss a boot underwater? <laughs> <laughs> how's that boot still alive and not get swallowed by a shark by now? Grey's own that's a boot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, when Sabi was saying the boot was some shit, I was like, is that some, is she remembering her German language? Das Boot? Is das that Boot? Das Boot, das boot was, a, uh, was a movie. Probably 80s okay. or something. I was, like, I was like, that's how you say you say boot? In, and it was, in, it was a movie German about a German... Movie? It was a movie about a German submarine. <laughs> That's okay, because I like that boot is still underwater. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> how the fuck do you leave that? Yeah, shit it, in it, water it's in hard that- to, you know, it's hard to know what to make out of all that. You know, it's certainly not definitive, but it, it's certainly put it this way: it, it fits in with you know the the narrative of a U.S. team or a or a U.S you know, basically ginning up a third party team or something and gearing them up and going down and, and blowing it up. I mean, it's, it needs more investigation, but it's just well, another point. I'm going to, it's going to be really interesting to see what else Gray's own. Uh, but you have the, the Washington post or some shit like that. They had to retract it because if another, if, if another um, newspaper is retracting it, doesn't that make it look like, Oh, you were lying all along. Yeah, I mean, and the other thing I wanted to say before I forget, actually, uh, the in the in the chat here, Baby Mom noted, uh, uh, People's Party website is essentially Dr. Cornell West's presidential campaign uh, site, and I noticed that as well. Like, like right now, the the People's Party website is essentially a clone of the Cornell West twenty, uh, the Cornell West twenty four site. It's a little bit has. It has like one picture at the top from Rage Against the War Machine, and the rest of it is basically a clone of the West camp- campaign site. And so, I mean, that's sure a sign that he's taking it over. That's what I was wondering, because it's hard to take over the Green Party, because from what I've heard, mm-hmm. people have tried. From what I've heard, people have tried. I talked to Jesse Ventura about this on stream, and he said, they're a mess, Sabrina. That's what he said. He said, he said, they're a mess. Eric, can you put the link to the, that people's party website in the chat, just in case. So people can sure. see it. Look at it. Well, they're, they're, they're shit over here in Canada. They're, they're like 5% and they don't do shit. They just get punched around in, 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 in parliament. What the greens? 
Yep, they get punched around. The that that one one green lady. I mean, he she was accused of the same bullshit that Elizabeth May, I think her name was. I don't think she's still there. She was accused of the same bullshit that uh Marianne. Uh, what was that woman's name? The one that basically let that cop off that killed George Floyd. Um, what's her name? The one with the comb. The one that eats with the comb. Klobuchar. Yeah, Klobuchar. Yeah, she he was she was on that same level of bullshit that they accused her of. I mean, with that, I'll, I'll let Zach. Wow. Yeah, and the other thing that occurred to me, I, I know in in the past, Sabrina, you you said that that you know it needs the we need a big name to to jump in here and lead things, and and I was you know. I, to be honest, I, I was dubious when you, you when you would say that because we've we've had this with Bernie and and usually people who are famous are like Hollywood stars or sports stars and they're usually totally integrated into the system and and really aren't going to buck the system. But Cornell West, uh, you know, that's there's real potential there. I mean, what I keep saying is I'm like cautiously excited about about the whole thing. I mean, he's he's the real deal. I mean, Jesus, you know, how many yeah, decades of being true? Yeah, not just being on Joe Rogan's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, you know, yeah, he he was on Rogan's podcast, so he must be good. I was like, what? <laughs> I'm like, do you even know the things that Cornell West has done throughout his life? Like that was. Yeah, I guess you can say Kyle, Kyle was driving, so maybe he was distracted. <laughs> Oh my god! Like giving him excuses. Let's bring in. Um, I'm gonna bring in Zach, and then I'm gonna pivot to Noel. What's going on, Zach? You just gotta unmute. Hey, Savvy. It's it's been a minute. I. Hey. Um, I I've been listening, and um, uh, Noel. I just wanted to actually say, um, it it might have been the stream, um, last stream or the stream before, but you were you were saying some really radically true stuff, and I. I always really appreciate um, hearing your perspective. <clears throat> um, so I have a few things. Um, one, I, and this might be my overarching uh, thesis for this uh, show, but Sebi, you said uh, Nina Turner isn't a shit lib. I would staunchly disagree with you. I the the path she has followed is is the path that everyone in the neoliberal political sphere follows very progressive even though let's not talk about her being a cop and all that stuff but i'll put that away for a second very progressive very radical speaking then we have to compromise to vote for Biden because of the big boogeyman. Then, then she ends up on TYT. I, I hope you get what I, I'm, it is a pattern baked into the system. I keep saying that phrase, but I see what you're saying. Yeah. And it, the, they're all guilty of it. I was so looking I, at very, like some of the things that she's been advocating for, which is reparations and, it was very telling to me when she she did not seem to come out to be excited about Marianne like she is Dr. Wes. Yeah, um that's interesting. I I I hadn't heard that. Um uh my next thing, uh what I've been talking in a few rooms about today and uh 
since he announced. My big thing is the duopoly isn't just the Democrats and Republicans. It's it's a the framework on which the elites let us quote unquote do elections. So and the Greens, whatever party you want to name, the I maybe it was your stream, the uh, uh legalized marijuana now party, they're all in that political machine. So I'm very skeptical that they are who they say they are and that if if i was having lunch with a friend i'd say come on they're never gonna let any of these people have power and if they do get elected or quote-unquote power it's because the the powers that be the bean counters they they let them into the system i i really hope people consider that it's been something that's run run through my head um uh, let's see. Uh, what do you I, I mean like in the go ahead, What do you mean in the machine in reference to third parties? All parties have to operate with, with the rules that are set forth by the American government, which is the unfortunately the neoliberal system. So the Greens are never ever going to get the presidency. They they might get these ancillary. Um, boutique office um, appointments, but because they have to get the 5% or they're going to raise it to the 10%, they're always going to gerrymander and jerry-rig this thing for the Democrats and the Republicans. And I, I was thinking on this yesterday, their, their um, respective um, outsider uh, parties, the, the Greens and the Libertarians, they, they're there to say, hey, the system, we, we can juke this. We, we can go outside by doing a people's party, by doing a green party or libertarian party when um, the, the fix is in from my point of view. I hear what you're saying, but the problem I've noticed with the green party is that they don't actually want to win, not on the national level. And I had this conversation with a Green Party member, I had this conversation with Justin and Justin told me, he said, you're 100 percent right. He said we have to they have to because he's part of Green Party. So he said we have to actually want to win. They don't want to win. And what do I mean by that? The marketing. The marketing is horrible. Like it just half the time you don't even know these people are running like they don't take advantage of platforms that are given to them sometimes to spread the fact that they're running. And I'll give an example with myself and with Kit from Hardlands Media. We're probably one of the few networks that have constantly reached out to people running the Green Party, third parties, et cetera. And oftentimes, like, the communication is horrible. People say they're going to show up. They don't show up to the show. And, I mean, Kit has a larger platform than, than I do. But it's not just us. Like, this has happened with other people. Like, they have, they have said, yes, we're going to give you a platform. And then sometimes they won't even show up. Now, Jill Stein is a very, a Jill and, and a Jamu, very different, very different. They, you could tell they actually did want to win. It's the party, though. I feel like the Green Party, they don't do their best to try to promote these candidates and get the word out the way that they can. You Look, I know they may not have a lot of money, but honey, social media is free. 
And what I'm saying is I should be seeing that shit all over social media, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. And like, I don't. Well, I don't. And that's the thing. And even when I would look at the candidates, you guys know I've had I've had multiple Green Party candidates on my show. And then sometimes I'd look at their website and I'd be like, who designed this website? It looks like it's from 1998, like outdated. It doesn't, you have to, like Justin said this himself, we have to actually want to win. Otherwise, it just looks like some kind of social club. And what else do I mean by that? Wanting to win is not rigging your primary for Howie Hawkins when you know damn well Howie Hawkins is not a a good candidate. Howie Hawkins has run for office, I don't even know how many times, but several times. But you had Dario. Why would you not even take Jesse Ventura up on his offer? You kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? Jesse Ventura was, when it was even mentioned that he would possibly run as a green, Jesse Ventura poll was 18% and he didn't even announce. So the fact that like, no, we're going to go with Howie. They knew damn well Howie Hawkins didn't have no chance. They knew damn well you'd actually have a better chance with someone like Jesse Ventura. So that was the thing. It's just like Primo Radical and Nico House did a whole story about a whole investigation about how they rigged their primaries so that Howie Hawkins would be the forefront. And Howie Hawkins on foreign policy has been horrible. He sounds like a liberal when it comes to foreign policy. He just debated uh, Jill Stein recently about the war with Russia and Ukraine and Jill Stein tore him apart. So what, what's happening with the Green Party when I look on their website and I see that they want to, they think that NATO should stay? Like, what the fuck is that? They have to actually want to win, and I don't think they do. That's, that's what I've seen on, on my end. When people offering you a platform to get your message out and let people know that you're running and you don't show up, that's happened to me, that's happened to Kit, that's happened to other people in this space that I know. Then that tell me you ain't really trying to win. So it's interesting this this idea of um, of of Dr. West doing an end route and basically becoming the party, becoming the people's party. And just the other thing I'd say is this, it's going to need numbers, like any of these these things. Like like yeah, there's real challenges when it comes to the ballot and the in the system and whatnot. And the way you get around that is is by by getting a real mass movement of, of big numbers. And I think uh, a Cornell West campaign has the potential to do that. I think it does too, because uh, number one, the name recognition, everybody knows him either from academia or activism or Bernie campaign. Like, you know him in some way, shape or form. And like I said, it, it you'll have to see who he decides to make a part of this campaign. I'm starting to wonder if maybe Chris Hedges will be a part of it because Chris Hedges was the first person to write the article. That article dropped the other morning. So I'm I'm starting to wonder. Um, I don't know, but I'm still surprised Cornell West is running, to be honest. Yeah. It, yeah, definitely. It was very interesting. <laughs> it's It's caused a lot of very good, rigorous debate in the circles I run in, which I really appreciate. Um, I, I had, I had the thought, sorry. Uh, I'll just say quickly. I, I just, I, I'm, I, I just think people need to, to worry less about people's party and, and, and focus more on Dr. West and his platform. 
So I'll just say that. Yeah, because I think the party, it's the party name itself, I think will end up taking a back seat because because Cornell West is so popular. And I think, you know, yeah, people are like, yeah, he's running through People's Party. Okay, cool. But at the end of the day, like, is everyone going to remember the name People's Party? Probably not, but they'll remember Cornell West. So that's something to take into consideration. Um, but yeah, I, I think it was really telling to me, you know, it's just, it's crazy that like Marianne was the first person to announce. And then it's just like, then now you got Cornell West and everybody's just kind of looking around. It's like, and honestly, I'm sorry, but when people ask me like, aren't you going to support Marianne? And I said, have you seen what her stance is on war? Have you heard her answers about Israel and Palestine? I'm like, no. No. Did you see the way that she spoke to the reparations activists that tried to tell her about the dollar amounts, which actually Marcel was correct about? No. And it's just, and, and this is why I've said before, guys, like you can't be friends with them. You can't be friends with them because then it's like kind of expected that you're going to back them. And now it's just like, like, I'm sorry, but if people would have just waited and been a little bit more patient, then it's like, oh, shoot, Dr. West is running. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's been backlash on Twitter, but a lot of that backlash has been coming from people who are back in Marianne. But there's also been a hell of a lot of support. You heard what Torn Walker said tonight. I don't know. Uh, Noel, I want to get your take on this. I, I see you sitting there quietly. Oh, I'm always so quiet. Um, first, I mean, good evening, everybody. And um, first, I wanted to say um, thank you, Zach, for um, your commentary about my commentary. I really appreciate it because, you know, one of the purposes for these types of exchanges is to have an exchange of ideas and if we can help each other reason through some of the things that we see, um, I think that's all, you know, to the good. So I thank you for that. In terms of the idea of Cornell West running for president, I must say I am intrigued. And at the same time, I'm, I am curious because I believe his decision to run emerges out of a sense of urgency. And so I think he's coming to it from the best place. But I think I have concerns because this, to my thinking, is not a decision that one should take lightly. And by that, I mean, if he was even contemplating this, then there should have been some serious work done, especially if he was considering running on the um, People's Party, because the party does need a type of robust numbers and they do need to get on these ballots in all these states. And it is a push to get all of that done now. But this is also a test to see if there is enough interest and he gains the momentum to actually get those things done. So if we see the People's Party doing what it takes to get ballot access and the membership growing by leaps and bounds. I think those will all be very good signs that he is running a robust um, campaign to be president. My concern, if I am honest, is that, you know, whether there are conditions under which 
he will eventually endorse one or the other candidates. Because I think I see a part of this run as a project, again, to highlight issues and move, quote unquote, the Democrat Party or Joe Biden as candidate to the left to help him deal with some of the issues and underscore some of the failures of his presidency up to now. Um, so that piece of it gives me concern because if if there are conditions under which he will say, well, um, you know, at the end, it looked like I wasn't going to be there. So and the polls had me down. So at the end, I'm going to endorse, you know, Joe Biden, because I think, you know, going to the fear mongering thing, he'd be better than Trump or whoever the other candidate was or happens to be on the Republican side. So I do have reservations and concerns about that. In terms of his ability to frame the issues that um, have this nation captured, I think there are few who would be better. You know, he and Chris Hedges have that unique ability to speak that type of truth and to frame, frame it in a way that is relevant to the American history and narrative. Um, he is easily probably the most popular person in the, you know, race. And I mean more popular than probably even Joe Biden at this point. Um, but he is not always well received in all circles, especially when you consider what some of his platform um, agenda items would be. Um, so I can see there being an attack, though subtle and well-crafted, there will be efforts to diminish him or marginalize his candidacy, which in some cases is enough. If they say enough times, oh, he can't win, he can't win, he can't win, you know, people, I can see people saying, yeah, I like everything he's saying, this and that, but, you know, he doesn't have this, that, or a third. He's not on the ballot in all of these states and blah, blah, blah. And we've seen those type of things happen. So, like I say, I am, it intrigues me. Um, I wish he had come to this place earlier and not out of a type of desperation, because what it tells me is, he is profoundly disappointed in the Biden administration, and he has he doesn't have the faith in either the Democratic Party, Marianne Williamson or RFK Jr. to move this whole situation in any degree that he is can be comfortable with. So he is coming to this out of a type of compulsion. And, you know, we've often said and talked about on this platform that the American empire is, you know, headed towards a collapse. And I believe this is spiritual self saying, I must at least try. Yep. I must at least do something. So there's I that. Say, um, Noel, when I interview him Thursday, that is one of the questions I do have is to ask him if, if he doesn't win, will he endorse Joe Biden? That is, that is one of the questions that I have, or or whoever the other Democrat like you know person will Sadie, be. Sadie, um, is is that is that a break point for you? Because there there have been a lot of the examples of the progressive positions that are for me, and a lot of people have been telling me, "Don't let the enemy or the the good." Don't let the it. perfect be the enemy of the good. See, Noel, that's why I love you. But yes, <laughs> I I think 
I think that lets us either not have the conversation we're supposed to be having or not do what we're supposed to be doing. It, I, I've said this in a room before. It's a simplistic view, but again, we're talking about elections when Noel in, in a, a past stream, it, it at least gave me the feeling maybe that wasn't your words, but you're for burning this motherfucker down and entering an election is, you know, we have to build a system, whatever, but at the, at the forefront of that is, is tearing this system down completely that him basically balking at that and saying, no, I'm going to become president to me is very reformist, which is what gave me the. Yeah, but Chris, but uh, you got to think about who people are and where they are at that time, right? Like there are people who I consider to be revolutionary. Um, there are those people, right? Like there's Rome and, you know, hell, like I look at Rome, like we say this on RBN all the time. We're like, hell, Rome is to all of our left, 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 left. Like Rome is like, <laughs> Rome is like the ultimate, you know? So it's like, everybody's at different points but what's important is that we utilize we utilize people's strengths and i i i like to continue to to i guess stress this because what i have seen over time is that there seems to be a push sometimes to put people in positions where they really just don't fit and they're not strong and then i see those people fail and so I think when it comes to a strength, this would be more of a strength for Cornell West. Now, Cornell West does participate in protests. He's heavily, heavily supported the Palestinian people. You know, he was refused tenure at Harvard because of it. Like his way of fighting is going to be different from Rome's way of fighting. My way of fighting is different from Rome's. Hell, all of us at RBN, all of our ways of fighting is going to be a little bit different from like Rome's, right? So I think that you don't throw people away. You don't dismiss them, but we have to utilize people's strengths. So the thing is, is that legislation has to be passed. And so when we're talking about passing legislation, we're talking about executive orders and things like that. There are people that I think will be stronger at that than, you know, than, than saying, let's burn this down. I think like Rome obviously is going to be way stronger. Like, nah, fuck it. Burn everything down. I think Dr. West will be stronger at, you know what, we're just going to do this and we're going to do it by executive order. So I think that's the difference. We have to be careful about trying to put people in, in spots where they don't fit. So that's something that, I've been trying to get better at, um, and I always I, I wasn't always good at this, just FYI. So that's something that I've been trying to work on. And I think even with someone like RFK Jr., I disagree with him, obviously, in reference to his stance on Israel and Palestine. Where is RFK Jr. strong, though? He's strong when it comes to calling out the deep state, the CIA, like that type of thing. That's actually his strength. What would have been interesting if, I don't know, if some people weren't so quick to jump the gun, all these people could have been working together. Y'all, you guys see what I mean? 
Like, oh, if, absolutely. If absolutely. RK, yeah, all of them could have been working together. Like if RK Jr., Marianne, and Marianne knows uh, Dr. West, and, and Dr. West, all of them could have been working together and figuring out a way, if they figuring out a way to, hey, how are we going to change change this and make it better for the American people? And see, here's my my real concern, because we've been down this path, so to speak, a number of times in that the Democratic Party has to enlist a sheepdog to um, recruit that left flank, the quote unquote progressive flank. And then at the end, they herd the sheep in the left sheep into the big tent and blah, 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 you know. They all at this stage articulate the right points. Barack Obama did. Um, Bernie Sanders did. And now we know that Cornell West will. But where we always hit the bump in the road is when it comes to endorsing the designated party favorite, this, that, and a third. So you know, at the risk of sounding cynical, I do not expect Cornel West to win this whole set of circumstances because the system that we have complained about and talked about so much is not set up to allow a third party candidate to win. My concern no, is no, that devil's advocate. Why is he doing it then? That, that my, my concern no, is no. if he is in it to stir and light the flame, and where Bernie Sanders betrayed the trust of the people, will he stick with it and continue to build that third party, that momentum, so that the people are not left demoralized, you know, in the end? If Bernie Sanders had, upon his, you know, them stealing and rigging the campaign, if he had said, listen, I'm not going to endorse the secretary because she has been proven to be involved in misdeeds and, you know, I'll go to the a third party, the Green Party, any party. But the thing is, he had so much momentum. He had so many people behind him that if he had legitimately moved, he could have caused a potential fracture in the Democratic Party and really capitalized on that moment when Cornel West said he missed his moment. He was yep. saying you had the voice and the opportunity and time to really stand your ground and be revolutionary and move these people to begin to see this system for what it is and build a mechanism that will really confront this system. Bernie collapsed cave because he was, you know, in the system. He said he didn't want to be um the next Ralph Nader and this, that, and a third. And that's where his real failure to his word to the people uh, manifests. If Cornel West is doing this and gaining the momentum and gains the interest in this and that, and even if the system rigs and snatches the rug under him, if he stays with the message, stays with the People's Party, continue to articulate the vision forward and keep building the momentum and the membership to run for local candidate offices before the next 20, um, 28 election or whatever, that would be the success because the way this system is structured, you would need to build an infrastructure that is situated to compete and challenge the system before the election even comes. Right. And so, you know, that's what I, if that's what he is doing, 
I am even more excited. But if there is a point at which under a certain set of circumstances, he will say, oh, I'm going to endorse one of the two because this, then that's, that's Bernie Sanders 2.0 to the fifth power. Third party candidates don't usually end up doing that. So like, for example, I will ask him that question on Thursday, though. I am going to ask him. And I did tell him when he was on last time, I said, Bernie Sanders just left his movement and everybody was just standing around with their hands in the pocket. Like, what do we do now? You know, like you, you can't do that again. And I'm going to go ahead and, and tell you guys, based on what I see so far, like, I'm just going to keep it real. Based on what I see so far, I think, I think Marianne's going to do that. I think Marianne's going to just, at, at the end of this, I think Marianne's going to walk away. I don't think she's going to try to build no type of movement. I think this is going to be done. I think she's going to write a book and everything's going to be roses for her. And I, I'm just, I'm just keeping it real with you. I think if, if RK Jr. loses, you know, I don't know if he's serious about building no movie either. I think when he's done, he's going to go right back to being an environmental lawyer. I'm just, I'm just telling you, it, Having someone come from the Bernie campaign and seeing what Bernie could have done and then calling him out on it publicly, even though Bernie is his friend, like, I think that says a lot. So I think, I think it may be more so that Cornell West is trying to build that momentum for the, you know, for the people's party. Does it not? And to try to like, like to what Noel said, like, obviously you have to have the system set up for it. So I think that's the thing. Like, but you have to start somewhere. Mm, so exactly. That's probably what he's trying to do is get that momentum building and, and cont continue that movement after the fact. I think that's what Cornel West is trying to do. And I think that's why Nick Braun's name is no longer on that website. And I think that's why when you go to that website now, it's mainly just the Cor Cornell West website. I'm, I'm not kidding. Like nobody, the other names are gone. And so I think that's, that's probably what what is happening now. I pray so, because what we do know is that before there is any revolution in the three dimensions in which we exist, there has to be a revolution in thought. And yep. every sign that I can see or I can discern is that the American electorate is still very much asleep you know, very much given to the propaganda and this and that. And there needs to be a whole new disenchantment. And, you know, we tap into it, you know, when they articulate these things like Bernie Sanders did. But then, you know, when you let people down, you they fall below where they were and they enter apathy. And so you have a lot of people who are just like, oh, piss on that. So I'm hoping that you know, in the best of all circumstances, like I say, in my own personal cynicism, you know, I don't think by any stretch he's going to be president because of the system. But I am concerned that he is going to be a man of his word and be the person of integrity and continue to try and lead this nation, you know, in terms of a political set of circumstances that will eventually really accommodate a third party and build that robust movement. You know, I can see his run intersecting with the um, movement for people's, what is that thing with Shama Sewan? I keep forgetting the name of it. Oh, Worker Strike Back. Worker Strike Back. I can see these types of national things coming together and a synergy coming out of it. And then, you know, 
the uh, a real robust third party movement emerges with the momentum to actually get on the ballots, change the system and do what needs to be done to make the system set up available for a legitimate third party candidate. But as I we've said that. before, when the system is threatened, it behaves in really um, easily discernible ways to neutralize the threat one way or the other. So we'll right. see. So here, so here's the thing, guys. Um, when I went to the Worker Strike Back launch in Boston and I streamed that, one of the things that they did explain when I got there is that while this is a workers' movement, the end goal is for this to turn into a third party. So see, Shama, she very smart about this in the sense that like she knows this is how they were able to succeed big wins in Seattle. They started with the workers on the ground first, and then they elected, they nominated the person that they thought would be best to run for city council. And that was Shama Swan. She didn't choose to run on her own. So I think, I think that may, I'm wondering if that is what is going to happen, Noel, where like this will intersect with workers strike back. And then the next thing you know, now you got the worker movement and you have the third party political movement working together. And, and that'll be really interesting. But I, I think the thing is, is that um, as much as we all talk about like, you know, vote third party independent, the thing is like someone has to start it at some point in time. And I think Cornell West, it may be, maybe he's going to kick this, this off this year. And then maybe next year, you know, or, or excuse me, after 2024, maybe he may pass it on, pass the baton to someone else, but to keep it moving, but to still be involved in the background. And I think that could be how it works, but I couldn't imagine anyone else like kicking this off, but him other than like Chris Hedges, probably. Right, right. Go ahead, Zach, and then I'm going to go to Sean. Yeah, the last thing I'll say, I, I've been contemplating this and thinking on it for a few days very serious i just i think for me i, I want it all to boil down to we cannot let what bernie's quote-unquote movement do we um cornell west being a candidate that energy, I, I'm very scared that it will just be a Bernie 2.0. Um, and, and that's that's all I, the last thing I have to say. Please yeah, I contemplate think, that I as think, much as you can. Yeah. Well, I think the difference is, though, Bernie ran through the Democratic Party. I think that's an excuse, Savvy, respectfully. I, I, I get where you're coming from, but I just that. that yeah. Well, I say think, it was a Democrat. Go ahead. Yeah, I think what people need to do and guys like, look, honestly, like going into this, I think you need to go into this with the mindset of this is the start of building a third party political movement, not this is the start of winning as a third party candidate. I think if you go into this and you have the mindset of, oh, yay, Dr. West, he can definitely he can definitely win. We're going to win this. Yes, you will be disappointed. I'm just here to tell you that now. I think you have to go into this with this idea that 
this is a, uh, a, a more long-term type of goal in the sense that this is the start of building a third-party political movement in the United States. And yes, there will be continued work that is going to, going to be need, needs to be done. But at the same time, you cannot go into this, and I'm, I'm giving this warning to all of you, you cannot go into this with, yay, like Cornell West is running, um, oh my God, like I hope he wins. And you can't go into it with that mindset because the system is already fixed against you. So I think what they are trying to do is they're going to try to build it and dismantle the system at the same time. But yes, you cannot go into that thinking that Dr. West is your hero. Dr. West is going to be your savior. Like a lot of people did with Bernie Sanders. No, no, no. Dr. West is just one person. So this is the start of building a third party political movement. And what I would like to see, it would be really great to see if Jill Stein would get on board for something like this, because I'll keep it real. Had Jill Stein had the infrastructure and the support and the resources that she needed during that time, I think Jill Stein would have done better. I think she would have done better. But yes, obviously... Um... Maybe and to, to your point, if either Jill Stein had had the infrastructure and the momentum or Bernie Sanders had had the personal, political and professional courage to stay the course, the momentum that we're talking about to create the legitimate third party run would be there by now. But we've had all these, you know, for whatever the reason, these false starts and this and that. But what is really needed is not just, as you say, the candidate, but it needs to be the movement. And we need to stick with it and keep pushing. And be, And truthfully, Cornell's run will be a good barometer to see what type of excitement it engenders and what type of um, building of the infrastructure of the People's Party comes with this. If like I say, if the membership just starts jumping and they start, you know, announcing that they've gotten gained ballot access in this state, that state, this state, that type of momentum will be exciting. And even if it right. doesn't, you know, go the way it, we know that it's, you know, likely going to go, if Cornell sticks with it and say, you know, we didn't get there this time, but we'll be back. And we're going to do this and build it out. And then that right. will let the duopoly know that this is serious. This is some real change. And either we're going to start trying to do some things different um, or it's going to be the end of the road for us. And my other concern I wanted to say is, you know, in this instance, by Cornell being who he is and being, you know, a black man, he has the potential of capturing the imagination of a certain portion of the black electorate. Remember when Barack Obama ran, he got in hot water because he and, um, oh, I forget the man's name. He had a, a, a TV show. Oh, I can't think of his name. But in any event, they got in hot water because they were trying to hold the Obama campaign, you know, accountable for Tavis Smiley. Ooh, child, getting old ain't no joke. Yes, but, Tavis Smiley. Yeah, he and Tavis Smiley got in hot water because they were trying to hold the Obama administration and campaign to a level of scrutiny and accountability 
for the needs of the you know black community and people mm -hmm. were very upset because they were criticizing you know obama and what have you so i'm sure there is still some sentiment within the black um electorate that's still kind of pissy with him so like i say he's very popular and well known but it'll be interesting to see where the congressional black gatekeepers come in and this that and a third and all these ministers that's out here and all these academicians who are in academia holding sway it'll be interesting to see whether these people um, at least acknowledge that he has the right framing of the problem and encourage and support this build out of a third party move. Right on. The last thing I'll say is um, it would be cool to, uh, in your interview, um, ask him about prospective um, uh, vice presidents um, and maybe a little suggestion. You know, I, I wouldn't mind. It it being a West um, Jill Stein ticket. I think that would be cool. Uh, just Yeah, I have that question on my list too. Man, you guys, like, it's like we're reading each other's minds like tonight. <laughs> All right, Sean, I know you've been waiting. I know you, you said, let me in there. What's up, Sean? <laughs> How's it going? Hello. So I really like, <clears throat> it's a really uh, intelligent room we have tonight. It's a lot of um, a lot of people, Eric and and Noel, uh, saying a lot of important things. I think uh, one thing that's frustrating about the Bernie campaigns of sixteen and twenty is uh, the guy had a million volunteers, and all he did was raise money for the most part. I mean, I know he did some work with Fight for Fifteen. But for the most part, he didn't really do a, a very good job of uh, mobilizing and directing his supporters at all. Um, I think I'm cautiously optimistic about Dr. West. I think, you know, all of us would, would acknowledge the fact that uh, as of now, this is uh, a messaging campaign. But if he could make it uh, a movement campaign and, you know, help direct people towards activism to stuff like uh, workers strike back and, you know, some of the some of the uh, mutual aid projects that are going on, then I think this could really seriously be a worthwhile endeavor. I hear what you're saying, Sean. I totally hear you. Yeah. Um... I, I really want us to look at this as kind of like building a third party movement. And, and so that way, I just don't want people to be disappointed. I really don't want you guys to be disappointed. And I, I, I just having flashbacks. I know we all remember the, you know, the Bernie campaigns. And so I just don't want you guys to go on it with that type of, that type of level of excitement that we did with Bernie, because we really did think Bernie could win. And I think the thing is, is like, let's not go into this thinking, yeah, you know, Dr. West is going to win because we know how the system is. Let's go into it thinking this is the start of building a third party political movement. And we have to start somewhere because all these other countries that have multiple parties, they didn't just have those parties from the get go. You know, they, they had to build it. We're just behind. 
in this country like we really are like if you think about it like canada has multiple parties like uh uk has multiple parties like we're just we're just behind uh in, in reference to this particular issue but like yeah like i i think we need to build it and this is something that um you know brie and i, I had agreed with too like brie said like we need to build a third party movement and she, she's right about that like and i hate to say that uh because i I hate to say it and have people who are a part of like Green Party and, and or Libertarian Party be like, but we have these third parties. Yes, we do, hon. And you guys been around for a long time. And it don't seem like you're really trying to win. It don't seem like you're really trying to, if you guys are really trying to win, when there were people that were big names that wanted to run through your party, why were they shut out? Like, that's the question people need to ask. And so that's my thing. And it's just like, Jesse Ventura come up to you and say, hey, I would like to run on the Green Party. And, you know, because of like part, like uh, bureaucracy, you decide, nah, um, yeah, you know, this may not be the best fit for you. Like, it just, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. Jesse so created a lot of a fucking buzz. So I got uh, a couple of uh, more big ideas that I shared with you about a year ago. You probably don't remember, though. But we have some new friends, so I figured uh, I might share some of uh, some of my ideas about third party um, and how we could build that. Um, why not? And why not with how easily we can poll people? Why not just start embracing direct democracy and why stop at naming uh, a vice president? I think we should be voting on the members of the cabinet for these candidates. And I think if uh, Dr. West did that, he could have a lot of people on the ground, like, you know, say Hedges was elected as his uh as a secretary of state and he could be going around the country, you know, in one city with, with Dr. West in another city delivering a foreign policy. Or I can recommend, recommend that to him. That was something that actually John Stasevich did mention. He said that he would want the people to choose who his cabinet should be. And I actually think, and I agree with John Stasevich about that. I actually think that's a good idea. Nobody is doing that. A lot of people don't really understand like how the presidency works. Like a, a big part of uh, of that job is done by those uh, those cabinet officials and like the staff in those cabinets and stuff. So it's actually uh, really hugely important to to democracy to be thinking about stuff like that. I think. But just imagine like Ralph Nader. That's more so direct, direct democracy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just imagine Ralph Nader uh, campaigning as attorney general for Cornell West while he's in, you know, wherever. He could be in Washington and, and Nader could be somewhere else. I mean, you could have a whole slew of really, um, really intelligent leftists kind of putting our our platform out there. I think that's a good idea. 
I really do. Like giving giving the people a say so. Or even if you yeah, um I think even if you didn't go quite that far because of the time constraints that we have now, if Cornell has very definitive ideas about who he would want to appoint in a cabinet, because you know, again, at this point, given our um the structure of our governance, those um positions have to be nominated and then approved by the so and so this that and blah 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 in terms of certain of those cabinet posts. Um but if he had, you know, ideas like you say, if he said, well, I'm, Chris Hedges will be the guy that I would want for Secretary of State or this, that, and a third, then you can expand the potential of your campaign by, like you say, um, Sean, having people out there on the stump, this, that, and a third. But again, even without going that far, if you have these type of surrogates in your campaign, who you are in a type of philosophical alignment with, and they aren't saying things that are comp um, oppositional to what you're saying, then it does work, and it can work even within the context of this system, to have people out on multiple points speaking about what you know this campaign's position is on these multiple issues, and bring more heft to it than just you know the one person. So, you know, that ideology of having naming the cabinet members or having surrogates or this and that, that is totally, I think, a way to amplify this campaign's message and demonstrate that there is a broad swatch of people with a whole lot of experience and integrity who are a part of this movement. It stresses the movement. There you go. That's a really good idea, Sean. Yeah, I, I think that what a lot of people are saying that essentially um, Cornell West is going to take over the party and it's going to be Cornell West party. As much as I, I, I love Cornell West, um, I, I really don't think that that's a direction that we need to go in where the party is controlled by one guy who can be, you know, he he can be smeared. I mean, Lord knows, you know, these people can be threatened in, in so many ways. Their family can be threatened. I think what we really need is uh, just to just to mobilize and engage people, especially those people who, who are non-voters or, or independent, and, uh, you know, give them some some agency in politics because people – People know that the the game is rigged, and I think it would be it would be much better. Uh, it would it would make for a much better movement if it was really a people's party, and it wasn't just Nick Branna and his dad or whoever, you know, running that party. I think what we need to do is start embracing things like like direct democracy, which uh, technology makes very easy and and very fast, and um, Maybe if it was a lot of ways like, uh, that we can implement that kind of 21st century uh, movement building into, you know, something people are are going off of uh, election playbooks from 1992 still. And it's 2023. Maybe if it was more of um, if it was a horizontal structure, 
right? Like, so there is no, and that's and that's also how you you get rid of the whole Nick Brana issue where people say it's the Nick Brana's party. Maybe it was it was more of like a horizontal uh, structure that that could work too. Because like honestly, if I ask you guys, who's the leader of the Green Party? Does anybody know? Because I don't. Anybody? No, I I don't know. See what I mean? I'm sure there's there's a, a probably leadership uh, board, but I, I it just maybe if it was more like horizontal and maybe if it was not, I, I think we need to look at some of the mistakes that the other third parties have made so that we don't repeat those same mistakes because it just like the board of the Green Party or higher ups in the Green Party making the decision to come out in support of the mandates. Obviously that was a problem with the black caucus of the green party and they spoke out against it. Right. So then that makes it look like you're not, it makes it look like you guys have communication issues and it make it makes it look like you're just not together as an organization, as a party. So I think it's just, these are the kind of things I think we need to look at, like maybe not like rigging your primaries hell i don't know like it's just like you feel like this should be common sense but i feel like it's it's not sometimes so i guess i'll wrap it up i'll just say that um really love what what cornell uh put out there with with chris hedges he made his position on every issue that that people talk about and Every issue that people don't talk about, he made it all very clear. Um, he didn't hedge any of his bets. You know, he he's, he is who he is, and we love that about him. But but um, we we need to see Cornell take a page out of RBN's book, and instead of just commenting and and having a message, having leftist messaging. We need to start getting people out to protest against the wars. We need to start getting people out there to uh, to fight for health care and, you know, to to help Shama and uh, the trade unions out. Like, we need to mobilize people. We need to unite and galvanize people. And um, I just, you're not going to do that by just trying to raise money and uh, make campaign ads i don't i don't think that that's possible right no you're right and and to be fair we have had people doing those things it just hasn't received the level of promotion i think it should have especially the marches for medicare for all um was highly disappointed that i think every independent left independent media network should have promoted those events and unfortunately they did not um, I'm going to swap around here and pick up someone that I don't usually see call in, and that is Deanna. You are on the mic. Just got to unmute. And then I'll come back to you, Felina. Just got to hit the unmute button. And one of the things I do want us to start like focusing on is not necessarily because oftentimes we talk about what we can't do or what what cannot be done but i think we need to start talking more about here's what we can do you know what's going on deanna hi savvy my hands were wet i was washing dishes okay i went to the meeting tonight of the people's party 
Georgia chapter. It was very interesting. They are very focused on us um, getting together with people here in the state who are fighting for ranked choice voting. They realize that Cornell is their possible savior in terms of the, you know, the press things that have been going on with Nick. I did see Nick peek out uh, in the interview that Cornell did with Kim Iverson yesterday. So he's mm-hmm. still around and they mentioned him tonight. Wasn't a huge crowd of people, but they were extremely energized and focused on some local things, as well as encouraging everyone to run as an independent and have the values of the People's Party and just run so that we can win as many statewide elections as possible. So it was all very preliminary at this point. Uh, It's definitely not fully fleshed out uh, structure-wise. But I think, you know, I'm just hearing some great ideas because Dr. West seems very, and he was not on the call. It it was a Zoom meeting. Um, But he seems just, I've watched maybe four interviews in the past day and a half. (laughs) And I haven't watched your show tonight, so I've got to go back and watch that. I'll be up late. Um, You know, he's, the things that he's saying, of course, we all love and resonate with. And for me personally, agree with literally 100%, which is unheard of, but he is someone who can truly, I think, energize everyone. And what I would love to see is what you said in terms of this being more about building a a new party than Mm -hmm. just his candidacy. And also showing the Democratic Party that if we, uh, their so-called base, decide to vote if even if everyone has to write in for Cornell West, that they will lose and perpetually lose until things change. So that's a way for us to recapture the Democrat Party. And I, I think that this movement can be everything we envisioned and hoped for with Bernie and, you know, Bernie 16, because I didn't fall for it twice. Um, but it's it's all right there in our hands right now. And I think it's going to depend on us just, I, I mean, last time for president, I wrote in, I, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't agree with Howie Hawkins about anything. I almost wrote in a stranger, but I, I stuck within some structure, but there was no way I was voting for Biden, definitely not voting for Trump at that time. So those are some of the things, some of my thoughts about it. I really got excited about the meeting. I can't wait till next week's meeting there. Everybody seemed really, really energized. And um, I don't know what comes next, but I'm eager to find out. I'm anxious to volunteer and do whatever uh, to help Dr. West in whatever way possible. I love, love the idea of him announcing some people that he would like to see in his cabinet. I think that will excite the base of people. We have to always remember that 
there are over a hundred million people who consider themselves independent or don't vote at all. So we really can win. And electors are decided by the state on a state by state basis. And those rules can change at any point in time. Any state can decide, okay, well, if the person the person who gets the most votes, if they're not in a party structure, even if it's a write-in vote, we're gonna assign electors for that person. So it's all just in our hands right now. And I'm excited. That's I'm so glad to hear from um, you, Deanna, especially considering like you were in the meeting and all those kind of things. Um, Is the Kim Iverson video on YouTube or only on Rumble? It is. I saw it on Rumble. I, I didn't. YouTube keeps doing the craziest stuff in the world to me right now. They're just kicking me out and just turning off videos in the middle, uh, uh, scrambling the sound. I, I mean, they are really, they have, they have some algorithms that are doing some, some stuff for people like me who go down deep down independent rabbit holes. That's interesting. Um, I know. And, and the reason why I asked is because um, I want to see, like, did Nick say anything on Kim Iverson's interview? No, he just peeked out for a quick second. Uh, uh, yeah, he was, uh, um, uh, Dr. West was outside, uh, it, whatever setting they had, uh, he was outside being interviewed. And um, he just, he, I, I think there might've been a little technical glitch or something. And, and, you know, there he peeked out. I said, okay, there's Nick. So it, yeah, he's still very much in the picture, but you know, so, there, there are always, Sabby. I'm, I'm just wondering, well, here's the thing I'm wondering. I, I have been contacted by a couple people who mm-hmm. did tell me that, um, I guess apparently they have limited his role mm, in reference to who he can work with or anything like that. And mm-hmm. so just for people who are not aware, FYI, that's what I've been told. I, I don't know for sure, but, mm-hmm. um, I I will say that um, I think the fact that he didn't speak mm-hmm. on Kim's interview, I think that's very telling mm-hmm. because he he always did like he, yeah. he always spoke on these interviews, whether it was Jimmy Show or whether it was um um you know Kim Show or whatever. But I think that um I think it is smart to switch the focus away from Nick. I think, yeah, I think Nick needs to take a a back seat. I really, I really think he should step down. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I, I, I'm inclined to agree with, with you on that. Um, At the same time, during the time when all those things were happening, I just kept thinking that there was some infiltration that took place. Because uh, there was just so much confusion and and finger pointing, and it, it felt like uh, op activity in my mm-hmm. d- intuitive little mind. And so, I think now with Dr. West stepping forth, it's uh, there's a great opportunity to really focus on the things that unite us. And we are the majority and we need to embrace that, know that and teach the others the duopoly a lesson and move forward and create what we want to create for this country. I will say there are some things that I did find out um, later on. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, I won't I won't mention it on here. 
Uh, okay. But there are some things I found out in reference to infiltration with uh, mm-hmm. People's Party mm-hmm. that I I was actually able to to verify uh, uh-huh. based on emails and receipts and evidence. And the only mm-hmm. reason I haven't discussed it on my show is because it would destroy, like it would absolutely destroy those people. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I don't want to go down that road, but um, yes, there were, there are definitely ops that were a part of the people's party and I've seen the emails to prove it. Mm-hmm. And so I think people do need to just keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still have, like, like I said, I still, I still think Nick Braun is, is a problem. Uh, even when I interviewed him, I'm like, this guy's like lying because like, again, like I, I, I could tell, like there were some things he was truthful about. There were some things he was not truthful about. Mm-hmm. Um, it is what it is, but, uh, there were definitely infiltrators and apparently they've infiltrated other spaces before MPP as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I just think transparency is the one equalizer that will put the minds of the people at ease and all you have to do is say okay here's what we're doing with the money that is so important to people I think in terms of building trust in an organization here's what we're doing we're paying uh Nick makes this uh his father makes this amount we we dedicate this to our our administrative staff this goes to uh volunteers this is uh you, you know everything should just be written out and it should be on a website where people can just go and look at it and see what's being spent on what and simple things like that can just go so far in building trust i think and speaking of trust, I, I heard you say the other day on your show that Peter Thiel is one of the owners of Rumble. Is that true? Girl, yes. Girl, I couldn't find the receipts. I was looking. I was like, oh, my God. I got a little, I was I, I was going down yeah. there a little stock rabbit hole because I had been buying stock in, in Rumble and I could not find his name. So really. Yeah, he's he's one of them. You know, Peter Thiel, like he kind of takes a backseat, like he doesn't really put his face out there in reference to like these projects that he works on. It's Mm -hmm. a little bit different with David Sachs, David Sachs, who owns this platform, Colin, but now Rumble owns Colin and David Sachs has joined Mm -hmm. the board of Rumble. I don't know if everyone's mm-hmm. aware of that, but um, yes, I um, watch all in podcasts like it's a religion. It's so good. It's hilarious. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's David, hilarious. David Sachs a little bit more front facing. Like he'll do I like him and stuff yeah. like that. Peter Thiel, on the other hand, uh, sits more in the in, in, in the back. Like he doesn't. Okay. <laughs> he's not always on someone's show, but yeah. uh, but David Sachs is. So I think that like um, you know, and I, I think some of the things that David Sachs wants to do. Mm-hmm. I think are really good. I, I think he I does do have like some good ideas. I, I I agree. I just don't agree with him on on like some of like the political issues. But I think that um, you know, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, the billionaires like they own so much. It's just mm-hmm. you know sometimes it's just like tracking tracking people down. It's it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I, I like David Sachs too. He's he's my favorite of the four of them. Um, just because he's very honest and very, you know, I I feel like I can have a discussion with anybody. If they're telling me their truth, I'll tell them my truth. I'm a polemicist, so I'm gonna try to get them to come around to my way of thinking. But if not, 
that's cool. We can agree to disagree, you know? So it's, it's not as hard as people are, are making it. And as the mainstream media tries to create uh, the divisions between us are not, not that extreme and we're all human. So we really can, can um, I'm, I'm just looking forward to the recent UFO things that have come out uh, having a major demonstration of the mothership coming down and saying, we will only talk to Cornell West. <laughs> He's the leader of you humans right now. <laughs> Oh, he's man. the one we're going to negotiate with. The rest of you can kick rocks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good one. What's up, Roger? Deanna. Yes. Can I get, can you give us some on the ground analysis of what's going on with Cop City? I mean, I know you're in Georgia. I, I'm assuming yeah. you're in Atlanta or near Atlanta. I am. But I'm in you, Atlanta. Because, you know, we need to talk to people who actually are there. Yes. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, so yesterday there was um, a vote and the city council voted to fund it. Uh, initially, and the numbers that are coming out in the press, uh, uh, they're saying it's a $30 million project. But actually, it's a $67 million project. And the other $37 million will be paid in leases over the next 30 years. So it's very expensive. I We talked about this a little bit tonight, too, with the, the People's Party, because they're totally against it in every way. And I'm of two minds, because I've never met a firefighter who was not a hero. And they, right now, have a training facility that is so small, it's like someone's backyard. It's ridiculously tiny. They have one building on it that they set on fire, I guess, with every new class of firefighters. I know so much about it because I pass right by it. It's not too far from where I live. And they, you know, they desperately need a place to train. However, when we were talking tonight, it came out because they, they've they been closely guarding the, the, the ins and outs, the planning, the structure of it. And they're just saying, no, it won't be militarized that's not enough for us here but that's pretty much all they're saying and you know at at the same time talking it up on the local news and saying oh well you know there's all this crime and we need more police and they'll be so well trained and and they're going to get all of the social training and all of that as well but um they also are going to be bringing in people from israel to train them oh shit say what which, which is a a holy shit moment. For you heard me what too. she said. I was like, excuse me? You heard what so she said, I, Sabrina. Yeah. So some of the training uh, will be Israel-style training. So really what they're doing is creating an anti-protest army of sorts. Because they know so, that, you know, what's coming nationally. So this is, and all the police from all over the country will come here to train mm-hmm. with these techniques. So, so it's a so, no for Cop City for me now, completely. So, I'm not of two minds anymore. We'll find the firefighters somewhere else to go. So with that said, mm-hmm. why not start a local ballot measure to get rid of Cop City? That is what we will have to do. Yeah. 
And no one's doing that yet. They literally just uh, approved the funds yesterday. And they, they, it was, it was so shady. They kept people from coming in. Uh, the, there were only, I think, four dissenters because they sort of pre-screened the people who were uh, going to come in and testify for and against. It was a mess. It, it's, it's, it's a mess. We're going to have to do that. But it literally just passed. We it was on the ballot, uh, in in, in twenty two, at the end of the, at the end of twenty two. What it was to build Cop City was on the ballot as a ballot to, measure to fund it. There was a a ballot measure. Uh, I, I think it's when we voted in twenty two. Yeah, yeah, I think it was November twenty two. It was very recent that it was on our ballot to approve money for a police facility that does all these wonderful things and helps with this and helps with that. And and I have to say overall the city of Atlanta police, I live in the city. They are really cool. They're they're not they don't have a a lot of these problems. They did have the Rayshard one that burned down the Wendy's during twenty twenty. Uh and they uh, you know they they killed the guy at Cop City. That was just murder which was yep. horrible, but that was the GBI. And the GBI also uh, were the ones responsible for that militarized uh, arrest of the, the people who raised money for bail. That was all GBI. That was not, or the city of Atlanta police had to act it out because it came down from the state. So that wasn't a local Atlanta Mayor Dickens kind of thing that happened. And that happens a lot here in the South. And, uh, you know, in, in Mississippi, the state runs the cities. That's why Jackson ran out of water. So it, 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 it was a state led and decided upon thing. And the state is really pushing it. That's what, you know, people in Atlanta weren't like, we must have a cop city and train all the cops. No, that was, <laughs> that was not happening. There was no groundswell. It came down from the state, and it was a Keisha uh, Keisha project, and so our current mayor inherited it. And um, you know, people voted to. I guess it did pass, but it was no. It it was only the money that we were voting on. So that was the initial thirty million. Okay, so uh here we go. Oh no, it said not on the ballot. Huh. Okay. So it wasn't hmm. twenty two, then check twenty. But well, it was definitely yeah, it was I'm definitely twenty. Yeah. It, the whole yeah, this, thing yeah, with, this with is, Top City, this is just this is crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. And now that I found that out, I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna have to protest too. I might have to go and, and pick it, Cop City, because that's that's a problem. And Israel, it will be everything wrong in Israel. It will be interesting to see how many of these people retain their seats in the next election. Absolutely, absolutely. But will the absolutely. damage already be done unless we get that on the ballot to get rid of it? Well. Um, tonight at the meeting, and, and again, next week, we're going to be talking about um, the People's Party meeting, um, uh, targeting the uh, the funders of it, the, the other funders, the Chick-fil-A and uh, with boycotts and, and the the builder 
you know, bombarding them with whatever mischief we can make and and that sort of thing because it's really it's gonna take a movement of the people to to stop it because it it's moving with quite a bit of momentum right now so the only thing i seen that was on the ballot in 2020 regarding cops was and it did well actually this didn't even get on the ballot it says not on the ballot but they tried to get on the ballot was a local ballot measure for glenn county uh yes would have supported abolishing the glenn county police department and transferring all existing equipment, resources, and funds to the Sheriff of Glenn County effective May 2nd, 2021. That's that's the only thing I see for local ballot measures in 2020. I didn't see so, anything regarding... In 2022, there were... Well, did you check DeKalb County and Fulton County? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to look again, but... Um, yeah, check again, because I, I, I think I have... I usually pull the ballot measures before um, voting time. So it may have been, I, I'm, I'll, I'll look it up and I, I'll so definitely send what, Sabby the, or send you guys so um, what I find out. Okay. So this is what it says for DeKalb County. Um, mm-hmm. uh, allowing Sunday sales of malt liquor, wine, and yeah. distilled spirit. Anyway, that's an alcohol thing. And yeah, that was Fulton County, Fulton County, the same thing with alcohol, as well as homestead exemption for senior residents measure. Mm-hmm. So that's what I but, see. For but there the were more than Fulton two. County. There were more than two. Oh. I wonder if they I, I, let me look down some rabbit holes here, because a, a few me and one of my roommates went to vote together. So we and I remember us talking about it after we came out. So let let me, you know, they, they're scrubbing things these days. So let me see what I can find out on this end. And I use I um I usually pull and screenshot the ballot measures. So I'm going to check my computer and see if I did that for that one. But there there was definitely some money that had to be approved by by us initially and then um the city council had to approve the other half of the money the the well the other 37 million this is interesting uh, oh. well um oh, no, i just wanted to it. check um anything else to you and i just want to make sure i get to the next caller oh no that's it great talking to you i've missed the show i've been crazy running around everywhere but it's good to hear you all. And Noel, you're always a revelation. So I appreciate you all. Now, I have to go watch the show from tonight because uh, it sounds like it was amazing. Paul, thank you. It, it was quite long, actually. <laughs> I realized yes. that. I was like, that was a long time. Yeah, three hours. But hey, you know, I'm up. I'm, I have weird sleeping patterns. <laughs> <laughs> so, But you... I'm I'm definitely going to look and see what I can find because I could be wrong. I, I I distinctly remember reading the long, it was a long paragraph about facility for uh, police to train. And I mean, I have a vivid memory of reading that on a ballot. So I don't, I don't, I'm, I may be wrong about 22 or 2020, but I distinctly remember that because there was, there was, it was like a, a, a small, uh, almost like a sales tax. They were asking us if we were willing to pay that. 
So I'm assuming that's where the 30 million initially came from the, you know, the, the people, cause it did pass. That's how All they right. were able to, to go in the first place. All right. All right. Thank you, Thank you so much, Deanna. M- my pleasure. Thank you. Keep doing, keep up the fight. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, so let's bring in Felina. And I'll come back to you, Roger. Felina, you're on the mic. What's up? Can you hear me okay? I can hear you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, hi, I'm, I'm Felina Farley. I'm the uh, co-chair of the Green Party Black Caucus. So I hear y'all talking stuff about us. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I like what I wrote about mandates. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it's been um, it's been a COINTEL pro mess, as you might have heard. But um, me, I'm kind of used to it because I've pretty much been uh, independent or third party voter all my life, going from Tea Party to Green Party, so I'm used to it. <laughs> but. Everybody well, else is shocked. Well, Felina, but w- what is what is happening? And, and in reference to, you know, a lot of people saying like they wish that Cornell West would have run through the Green Party instead. And I've heard from people that are part of the Green Party that said like, you know, there's things happening and there's issues. There's issues in every party. But what do you feel the problem is? Um, I feel the problem is not unique to the Green Party. I think it is really that massive formation psychosis and being in that constant state of fear for all this time has really got everybody scatterbrained, to be honest, because everybody is kind of like all over the place lately. When it comes to certain issues, it's not really unique to us. I think the only thing that's unique for us is usually we're able to see through it, but uh, not at that level. So, yeah. Well, are are you surprised that um, uh, Cornell West is running through people's party? Um, no. I mean, like you said, it, I'm sitting there like, okay, yeah, wasn't he on the advisory board and everything? <laughs> I did uh, announce it to the National Green Party. I told everybody it. as soon as I saw Chris Hedges' uh announcement. I was like, okay, well, I've been fighting for the Green Party to get their presidential campaign page up like a month ago because everybody's like, after RFK announced, everybody was hitting us up like, well, who are you guys are running? Who are you guys are running? And I'm like, hey, everybody's asking, who are we running? And, <laughs> and uh, then this happened and I'm like, see, I told you, you should have focused on who we're running. So that all I could tell you is I guess I am one of those voices that uh, just somehow they don't hear my warnings. I don't know. I even do wrote an know, article. Do you fact. know if, if you're if you're allowed to say, do you know if the Green Party reached out to Dr. Wes? I don't know. I mean I our presidential support campaign committee or was it like 
Presidential Campaign Support Committee has uh, not been active. It should have started being active back in December when, um, because we were pretty much active December of 2018 when we sent out that letter to Jesse Ventura uh, to run before even Howie announced or anybody announced. So we were on it then, he didn't respond. And then after Bernie lost, then he was like, hey, Green Party. And we're like, "Uh, dude, we already had primaries in multiple states. This is not going to work. But, okay. I've I've heard so many different versions, like, like of that story. But it it sounds like, like what I'm hearing from you is that this is, like, one of the criticisms that I've had about the Green Party. I just feel like it's just not together. And it it just, to, to me, it's just like, like, no, like um, in reference to presidential candidates, like why hasn't the Green Party announced anybody by now? Like, or or even have anyone like that they they know they're willing to run? Like, why didn't the Green Party reach out to Cornell West? Well, that was that committee's job, and it's been um, hasn't been active for a while. We lost so much momentum from Howie's campaign that. Uh, a lot of people are here just holding it together until we can build trust back into the party. Um, so, yeah. Do you think the Green Party should be uh, rebranded? Do you think the Green Party needs to be rebuilt? No, um, I think we're actually getting more attention because we're voicing against the majority of the global Greens. Um, stance on Ukraine, which is conflating the issue. Right now, um, um, we have like, I think, five Green Party members from United States in Korea right now for the Global Greens Conference. Um, so that's kicking off now. So we're going to see how that's going to play out since we pretty much dropped out of the Global Greens conference over uh, some issues with uh, the death penalty being condoned in Mexico and a whole bunch of other stuff with Global Greens that is getting kind of like, no, that's not what we're supposed to be about. Or I guess this conservative Green Alliance or something that it's happening in other green parties that we're not uh, too happy with right now. Yeah. So, so officially, we're officially not part of the Global Greens Network right now because of all these issues we're not agreeing with even at the Global Green level. Paulina, is are there any circumstances under which if the Green Party does not um, recruit or run a candidate for president, are there any circumstances under which the Green Party would support the candidacy of another candidate or, you know, short of an endorsement? Would they support, if they don't have a candidate, would they like say, but the Green Party supports the candidacy of Cornel West of the People's Party, that type of thing? Or is that just unprecedented? Um, it's somewhat what Ralph Nader did. It's just that 
Cornell would have to run unaffiliated, though, for it to work. He can't. And when it comes to the FEC, the only parties I see is People's Party or a U.S. People's Party. So could you? I'm. I'm. Okay, could you explain what that means to people? Like when you say he has to run unaffiliated. Well, yeah, it because the if you run under a party, you're going to have to gain the ballot access requirement for that specific party, which is actually a higher signature threshold versus running independent for a lot of states. So like here in Ohio, if we wanted to put Cornell on the ballot as an independent, we only need 5,000 signatures versus 100,000 signatures. <laughs> so it all depends on the strategy of this campaign. And I did mention that to the national community today. Today, So I told him like, hey, you got to see how he feels and what his strategy is going to be when it comes to ballot access, because most people don't uh, consider how. And then you have the corruption of Republicans and Democrats kicking Libertarians and Greens off the ballot doing some just heinous stuff like they did to me in 2018 when they kicked me off. Yeah, that happened to Larry so. Sharp too last year. Um, yeah. I, I think I think the thing is that the fact that the Green Party it sounds like they haven't found their their person yet. This is part of the reason why I I tend to say I feel like the Green Party just doesn't want to actually win. Because I feel like the marketing needs some work. I feel like, even right now, like, to me, that would have been a no-brainer. Like, going into this year, actually, I would have came up with this last year. Going into this year, I'm like, anybody reach out to these people? Like, I've asked a lot of people. I asked asked Chris Hedges, like, would he run? And he was just like, he said, you know, no, this is not really his thing. Like, I've, I've asked multiple people, like, would you ever consider running? I asked Matthew Ho. I asked Matthew Ho on camera at the Julian Assange rally in D.C. And I said, would you ever consider running for president? And he said, no, like he, he wasn't focused on that. But it just seemed like to me, like, I'm not even a part of the, like, that's the thing. Like, I'm not even a part of the Green Party. <laughs> and you're doing all the work. Oh, thank you. No, <laughs> I know. Well, you know, we lost a lot of steam because a lot of people that, did a lot of our outreach and um, door-to-door knocking were in the COVID high-risk area. <laughs> that made it like kind of cut us off at the kneecaps because they rather, you know, knock on door-to-doors, talk about the Green Party, than walk around a mall to get exercise. Yeah, I understand, so. but this has been an issue for years, though. This has oh, been an issue for years. I mean, yeah, yeah, but corruption has been an issue for years because I know, I mean, most people think that Jill Stein only got 1% and she she didn't. She got way more than that. She she got at least like six, seven. Um, same thing with Gary Johnson in 2016. He got like yeah. six, seven. Yeah, they both got way above the 5% be honest they deleted all the people that went democrat to green but everyone that actually was already green in the primary and then voted green in general they kept those votes 
they didn't keep the votes that the people that flipped. It was pretty obvious based on the algorithms online of people saying who they voted for. We were able to track that and it was clear as day. Yeah, but I think the problem is a lot of times people don't even know these candidates are running. So that for me, that goes back to the marketing. And I do understand it costs money to print flyers and stuff, but why not? I feel like social media is right at our fingertips. Most of us have some type of social media account. Why isn't social media being heavily used to promote these candidates? And I think that's the thing that's frustrating. Cornell West, what, announced yesterday. Yesterday, and it was everywhere all over social media. So I think that's the thing is like, I don't know what the marketing team, like, you know, the decisions that they make, but it, shadow banning. Yeah. It, the shadow banning, it was, it was horrible because the Jill not Hill hashtag was great and it was doing well at first. And then they came down like a hammer. Jill not Hill hashtag did well. In 2016, that was fine. It they just they just cut us off at the kneecaps as soon as it picks up steam. Yeah, so we have to do like so. This is how we've done this for Assange events. Like Julian Assange is also heavily suppressed, and so what we'll do is tweet storms. That's how we're able to get a lot of people to come out. Um, and, and also it helps if you have a big name and that's what I never understood about the green party. I was just like, why don't they get someone who has a big name that everyone knows? And people's party did that. Like everybody knows Cornell West. So it was, to me, it was just like a no brainer. Like I see everybody on social media saying, why is he running with the green party? And I'm thinking to myself, like, well, why has the green party asked Cornell West? I'm like, my bet is they haven't. Nope. I don't think no one has ever asked him. They may have asked him in 2016. I don't know, but I don't think he was asked at all. But like I said, our uh, committee that's supposed to be in charge of that, they haven't been active. So. Yeah. And then I think there's also the stance in reference to the Ukraine war. Like I'm seeing the Green Party is now like in favor of NATO. Like what is happening? I watched the debate between Howie Hawkins and Jill Stein and Howie Hawkins is like uh, basically sounding like a, a liberal, sounding like he's a part of the Democratic Party in reference to Ukraine. Like it's just, it's things like that. Like I just, I don't know. We've been, we've been complaining on the nationalists like, hey, what, I know Howie Hawkins is not supposed to be the voice of the Green Party, but in the public view, that's how he looks saying this stuff. Even though we put out press releases saying the opposite, people are not going to see that. They're going to see him pissing all the prominent Greens off on social media. <laughs> so I've, I've been trying to warn people like, you know, a Jammu came on RBN and said, hey, we need to just put out a statement saying da, 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 da. And I said, hey, everybody. Ajami said we need to just like disown Howie immediately for what he's doing. And people got offended and talking about, you know, he's a good guy. And I'm like, dang, you're, you're making it seem like we're just asking y'all to, you know, beat him up. Yeah, it's not no. enough to be a good guy. Like, that's the thing. Like, it's, it's not enough just to be a good person. It's like, you need to have somebody who is willing to go to the mat. And based on what I saw from Howie Hawkins, 
he's not willing to go to the mat and that's a big part of the problem you know yeah. so i think you know it's just it to me I, i'm just like it, it was it's a no-brainer to me like howie hawkins is probably not the best person to be seen as like okay this is the green party and that's what people I know. I've been trying to tell them, you know, I'm no longer the media co-chair. My, my term was up. So, you know, I've been fighting through trying to do the media. I'm going to switch over to outreach and work over there. But I'm still on the Black Caucus. You'll still see me posting um, stuff that to try to save our party. But I'm just waiting to see, you know, how this is going to play out. I told the members like are you going to reach out to Cornell are we going to try a fusion thing uh are they going to even since they just did this rally with the libertarians are the libertarians going to end up cross endorsing how is that going to work out <laughs> yeah <laughs> we forgot about the libertarians just did this rally with the with them you know and i know it's not all on you felina I know I've been trying. I've been hearing you guys. I've been trying to tell, you know, everything you guys been doing. Um, I, Howie Hawkins came on RBN and had an interview with Nick during our third party summit and basically told Nick, well, in the end, you got to vote for Biden. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yep, yep. And then I don't know with with Jesse the the way it was so like contained, um, because you know Trey Trey Hearn Cruises was like the leader of the whole Minnesota Green, uh, Black Caucus and the Black Lives Matter of Minnesota. So you know, and he was the co-chair of the National Green Party at the time. So. I was trying to get like Jesse to coordinate di directly with him, and then we we coordinate with the Black Caucus, and we do this, just like we tried to do with Roseanne Barr when she ran in 2012, and they went for Jill Stein over Roseanne. So, so that's another thing you probably didn't know. The Black Caucus went for Roseanne because, like, what you was talking about the name thing went for Roseanne over Jill Stein in 2012. Roseanne Barr. So that, yeah. Roseanne Barr ran what? a Green Party in 2012. But she yes, Roseanne. She's I think yeah, she Stein was, was a far better choice than Roseanne Barr. <laughs> and I think, you know, and it just seems to me that after that Jill Stein or Jammu run, the Green Party was in a position to capture some momentum. Because Jill Stein was excellent, had an excellent grasp of the issues. And the few times that we did get to see her, she was well composed and poised and articulate. And she really demonstrated to my thinking what a third party candidate would represent in this duopoly run. And so I just thought, <laughs> excuse me, that there was a real opportunity to gain some momentum, but now it just seems like the Green Party lacks a coherent leadership and really a party identity. 
it's like, where's the real energy and momentum and focus to, you know, and I just, it just seems to be lagging out there. And it's like, oh, okay, it's out there, but there seems to be no real, you know, sense of urgency and sense of coherence. So, and I think that speaks to the leadership, as you, as you say, you've been trying to get these committees to do whatever, but that's a real internal problem. And that's what we mean when we say, you know, if Bernie Sanders had come to the Green Party, he could have brought people and momentum and resources and really, you know, made the Green Party a more robust, um, you know, organization. And especially when Jill Stein had invited him to run at the top of the ticket, that would have been just an ideal moment, um, which was why I was questioning whether if the Green Party does not um, have a candidate, would it, you know, endorse or recommend or give a nod to another candidate? Like you said, um, Howie Hawkins basically on RBN said, well, you just got to vote for Joe Biden. Would there is there some type of formal proceedings by which the Green Party could say, you know, in this circumstance, we, you know, endorse the candidacy of so and so sassafras? But um, you know, I understand that you know you can't force people to do certain things, and as Savvy says, there's the issue of resources, and it just seems like there's an opportunity for the Green Party to step up and rise to the uh, the occasion. But again, you know, I understand that you people you can't force people to do what people aren't going to do. Well, yeah, that's true, because that was another thing. I, the reason why I was pointing out Roseanne is because when people talk about Jesse and Cornell and that popularity part of it, and then there's that undercurrent of the revolution is not televised. And that's the pushback that also happens when within the Green Party, that they do prefer the candidates that are just been activists and in, in part of these things for years. And they're not interested in the popularity contest, they're interested in the ones that can actually get the job done. So it, it's a it's a it's a it's a balancing act when it comes to do we need that person with name recognition versus the revolution is not televised. That's that's always gonna be a battling. I think name recognition can definitely help, but you I mean there's a pro and a con to that because someone like Roseanne Barr, it would be hard to even take her seriously. You know, whereas at least with Jesse Ventura, he had made a shift and demonstrated some type of political prowess. Um, but certainly, you know, a popularity to the extent of Cornel West or Chris Hedges or someone like that is a whole different type of thing because they're popular for the right reasons. And, you know, having careers where they articulate a coherent and um, concise framing of the issues. Roseanne, to me, is just, you know, buffoonery. And <laughs> so, like I say, in that case, the activist in Jill Stein was a much better choice to my thinking than um, Roseanne. All I just right. Well, Felina, um, if there's nothing else, I'm going to go ahead and move on to Alex. I have to ask Felina something. Okay. I, I want to. I want, um, 
So Sean mentioned direct democracy, but he didn't go far enough. Noel mentioned West needs to build out an infrastructure. You're part of the Green Party. Now, um, um, Sabrina had David Cobb of the Green Party on her show the other day talking about public banking in California. Mm-hmm. It has just now became apparent to me as I was listening to the for the past hour talking about how the Green Party, we think the Green Party doesn't want to win. Maybe the role that third party should play since they can't get into the room, especially the Green Party, in order to get the policies that they would like to see happen, maybe their role should be to push citizen ballot initiative amendments instead at state level. In those 17 out of 23 states that allow you to run them as amendments, you have to ask yourself what is more important, running candidates or getting these policies passed? So, Felina, you are in Ohio. So is Mr. So is Noel. So is Nina. East Palestinians will need single-payer health care soon because you see, you know what's happening over there. And the years that's going to come, you're going to see all different types of health problems soon. You also need a public bank first to create that surplus needed to pay for it. Maybe this is the role that third parties can play. You know what I mean? And 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 because and, the, the goal really is not to like really run candidates. The goal is to get these policies passed. So if they won't let you in the room, why not use that infrastructure to say, because here's the thing, Ohio, you guys are a ballot initiative state indirect for state law and direct for amendments. So why not go that route? Okay. Let me try to unpack all that. Um, I know there's um, most people like when they hear about the Green Party, they think of just just eco-socialism. They forget about the eco-anarchy, but it it does include a little bit of both. but uh, yeah, when it comes to uh, the Banking and Monetary Reform Committee, I probably am the only Black Caucus person on that committee. Um, but I've been fighting monetary reform since the Tea Party trying to end the Fed. So um, the reason why we have been kind of silent on the reparations issues was because of their monetary policy of how they're paying for it, which was not it's always been about public banking it's always been about ending the fed and there were way too many capitalists in those groups that we had a problem with i know there was a lot of infighting on social media about pan-africanism versus uh the lineage of for reparations and our issue was monetary reform monetary reform for reparations but since we got like kind of drowned out of that whole conversation, no one heard that, you know, it was about the monetary policy and using MMT to pay for reparations, which was like, no, we do not endorse that. But at the same time, it just feels like uh, some people will think or will come off or thinking that we're being snotty or something. You just don't understand that we don't endorse that because of the monetary policy of how they're paying for it. And they, okay. 
To be oh, fair, they, the they, Green they, Party was the only party that had reparations on their platform. Right. But yeah. for, for Lena, I, I wasn't talking about, I'm oh, sorry, keep going. Public creation of money and putting the creation of money back into Congress and as the Constitution states, not in the hands of private banks by debt. So you can't, I mean, yes, I want reparations. Just get the pyramid and the all-seeing eye off the dollar and I would gladly take it. Right, but I I, I wasn't asking about reparations. I was saying, why not uh, use the citizen ballot initiative process, you know, to get what you want since you're in Ohio and Ohio is a citizen ballot initiative state. And instead of trying to run candidates, run initiatives. Yeah, as a political party, we endorse those initiatives or where we are on those committees where I'm on the speaker's bureau for Rank the Vote Ohio. Um, Miss, Miss, uh, Misfit Misty, she, we met at the Medicare for All rally in Ohio. That's Comrade, how she, mm-hmm. Comrade Misty. Yeah, that's how she knows me. So, because she's in Ohio with me. So, you know, we're eventually going to meet sometime, just like I know all libertarians here. You know, it's the political circle when it actually comes to the campaign trails and third parties. We kind of all know each other. Um, okay, but I'm oh, sorry. To what's happening in Ohio now. We got to do this big push to stop this ballot initiative to to make it harder to put stuff on the ballot in Ohio. Because we've been supporting these protests, they all know that uh, it is going to mess up our legalized marijuana ballot initiative. It's going to mess up the, and they're really doing this because of the abortion issue. Yep, right. Because that's on the ballot. They're screwing everybody. So we have to do this huge campaign now, focus all our energy uh, to get this to get everyone to vote no on this special election just for this on August 8th, which we know they're doing this because no one will come out to vote for this special election. So, um, so yeah, so what I was saying is, like, I know you said that you guys support ballot initiatives, but I'm saying what, what ballot initiatives are you pushing? You see what I'm saying? You know, it's not just to say, yeah, we support it, but let's, push, you know, single payer, uh, Ohio public bank. Uh, yeah, I do want to, uh, I, I do want to make sure I, I, I get to Alex cause he's been waiting for a while, oh, sorry. but maybe Roger and Felina, maybe you two can exchange information in the chat. Actually like be okay. on those committees or something. You have to like, we can't do that as a party. We could do that as a person. Okay. Okay. Felina, can you and Roger exchange information um, in the chat, in the live chat? Um, sure. Okay, because I just want to make sure I get to Alex, because Alex has been waiting for a while. All righty, but thank you so much for calling in. No problem. Okay, Alex, you are on the mic. Just got to unmute. What's going on? Hello, can you hear me? I can hear you. All right, sweet. Uh, Hi. Hello, Alex. I got to tell you what I'm looking at your picture right now. And honestly, it kind of reminds me of Prince in a sense. I get that a lot. 
<laughs> the old school prince back when he had more like a little bit more of the fro before he went like you know with the slick hair and stuff but what's up alex what's on your mind um well i i think i was i originally just came in here because i've been getting really into the cornell west campaign and i just kind of saw that you were doing a, a thing i don't normally do these sort of sit in discussion type things but um i just I, before the we got into the green party and stuff you discussed about cornell west and i wanted to i wanted to chime in and, into that because i've been doing some work with the with trying to get that going um i started a facebook group because there is still not a an official facebook group which they should definitely get on and i emailed them about that but um there's now three Cornell West Facebook groups on Facebook, and mine is one of them. One of them has 21 members, mine has 58, and another one has 593. That's apparently because it was a Marianne Williamson for president page, and the owner just switched it to a Cornell West for president page. I think that's kind of cheating, but it, it's it's fun. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, I also wanted to chime in um, on Roger um, in terms of like ballot ballot measures and stuff. Um, I've heard a lot of people in terms of like media talk about ballot measures. As somebody who is like actually organized and directed ballot measures, I feel like a lot of people talk about these things without. I'm not, and I'm not assuming Roger that you don't have experience on ballot measures. I'm just wondering if you do because they are very expensive. They are very difficult to organize, um, and one and one of the problems with ballot measures is once you get a ballot measure up, you go through all the all the steps to get your ballot measure approved, whatever, depending on your state, and then you get your canvassers and all of that. Then you have to pay for getting the people on the streets, getting all the signatures, and in the meantime, anybody who has an interest in sabotaging you or passing their own measure can often outspend you um it's just it's just a it, it's it's not a panacea it's a very difficult process and a lot of times it's yeah, like wanna... you spend all that money and you don't even get it passed in which case you've spent yeah so i just want to i just want to chime yeah i just want to chime in and say um i've been covering ballot initiatives for the past couple of months on my show and um the ballot measure results from November 2020, uh, excuse me, 2022. And um, I actually have mentioned all those things. Mm. Like on my YouTube show, I've mentioned the pros and the cons, and I've talked about like how it's difficult. I've actually brought on politicians, um, a local one here in my state, Massachusetts, who did explain all of that to the audience. Like, this is how much money we, we need to raise in order for this to be successful because of the money that's gonna be sent, spent um, against it. Like all of those things are explained. Um, so I, I'm not sure about other people who cover, cover this topic, but I've actually, I've been pretty consistent about this for quite some time and I've explained the pros and the cons. But I think that the thing is, is that it does give people uh, direct democracy. And yeah, it's not easy to do, but it gives you somewhat of a, a voice. Whereas when it comes to national politics, you don't really have a voice. You go to a booth to vote for a person that's supposed to represent you, 
but they often just represent big interests. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't knocking uh, ballot measures per se. I was just saying that just because I've heard people, not you, I actually have never heard you speak on ballot measures personally. Um, but I, you know, that's I, I'm, it's awesome that you have have this nuance. I put out this sort of nuance view, but but I've heard other people in sort of this media space talk about ballot measures, like, oh, why don't you just pass a ballot measure? And it's just, I feel like those people talk will we'll talk about it without any conception of how difficult it actually is like even if you get it passed it is a arduous process you have to first you have to write what it actually is going to say um and then you have to get you know whatever the whatever organization is doing it has to have clarity and agree upon the what the, the specific verbiage and that can take months it can take years uh, depending on what's being talked about, it can cause though just that process can cause infighting that spreads, you know, from one end of the United States to the other. I've seen it happen. So, you know, over minor, minor words, it, it's, it's, it's an incredibly arduous process and I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying, yeah. uh, if you're, if you're going to ex- ask some people to push ballot measures, I, I would, I would, I would, I'm not saying you, I'm saying in general, anybody who wants to encourage you to push ballot measures, I would recommend trying it and um and actually you know developing the skills to do ballot measures and then you know if, if you have a skill to do it then maybe offer hey you know i can i can i can also help with that help with that because i think a lot of these people a lot of people like the green party or any of these organizations they're they're not they're like they're regular people um a lot of most have day jobs um and you know if you i i feel if, if you're someone who and i'm not, I'm not speaking against this is not right this is in general if you're someone who wants to see something change uh if you treat politics like a spectator sport uh you're never going to see it if you want to change something you have to actually go about what it takes to make that change happen personally you can't wait for anyone to fix it for you and you can't sit on the sidelines and wait for people who are trying to fix it and be like oh why don't you do this you do it or or take the step necessary to figure out how to do it um, is the only way to get it done. And you actually, that might sound like I'm being, you know, I'm speaking like, I'm just speaking and I, but like, I actually have experience, you know, it, it's very doable. Like, it, I think it's, a lot of people are unaware how doable it is to accomplish things if you are just willing to do it and not wait for anyone's permission to do it. Yeah, it Alex. also depends on the state because the state that I live in, Massachusetts, is actually one of the more difficult states to get these ballot measures um, passed. But we've passed a lot of ballot measures in Massachusetts. Ones that people said would never pass have actually passed here. So for example, um, legalizing marijuana, we were the first state on the East Coast to do that. That was a ballot measure um, that was passed. Um, We just passed the millionaire's tax in Massachusetts. Like, I think we may be the only state that have passed that. I'm, I'm not sure. I have to double back, double back and check. But I think the thing is, is that if my state can do it and it's more difficult because Massachusetts is indirect, not direct, some of these other states where it's way easier, they can get these things done. And I think that's the thing. It's like we have passed these things that are we were told would not pass or we were told were very difficult. And yeah, it does require a lot of work, but 
what I want to make very clear to people is that it is actually more difficult to get them passed in my state. And we've been able to accomplish those progressive uh, policies, uh, passing those via ballot initiative. And there are other states that have an easier path where they don't have to do as much as my state does. And they've been able to pass like the fight, you know, $15 minimum wage recently, um, guaranteeing like a woman's right to choice to choose even in some of the red states. So I think that, um, yeah, there's work that goes into it and yeah, there's a chance that it may not pass, but I think that people should put more energy into that instead of like just hoping that you vote for someone for president and that's just going to change your entire life. I think people, I, I heavily stress to people on my show, which is that you have to organize with people in your community and that should always lead us. We should always come back to that point, whether it's mutual aid, direct action, you should always mutual organize with people in your community. Absolutely. And, I, and, I, and that's one of your messages that I've always really agreed with. Uh, Alex, so I was yeah. never under any illusion that it was easy. I know it's hard. Um, now, the thing is, there's only so much I can do in New York because here's the thing. No matter how hard... What state are you in? Because you I'm said in you had experience with it. Nevada. I've, I've done okay. it in Florida, Colorado... Nevada, no, not Nevada, California. You ran initiatives in all three of those states? Yeah. Cool. Um, there's only, oh, oh yeah. But regardless, it's not as hard as New York because New York doesn't have that option. Mm. So everything is from perspective. You know, just an analogy. This, let me give you an analogy for a second. One time, um, some time ago, I was listening to Wyclef Jean getting interviewed, right? And um, he was talking about how when he came from Haiti, um, which was, uh, uh, I don't want to, I don't like that word third world country, but, you know, he came from Haiti and then he, his dad came to Brooklyn first. He was a preacher or something like that. And then when he brought him here, they were living in the projects. But from his perspective, he saw it as a castle. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And his perspective was, yeah, you know, like cats probably in the hood. It's just like, what do you mean? You, you ain't in luxury. This is the hood. But he was like, yeah, but you got to see where I'm coming from. You know, he said he looked at, he turned on, him and his brother turned on the faucet and looked at the water run for hours because they never saw running water before. You see what I'm saying? So everything is perspective. Just like if you took some out out the projects and brought them to a hood in the suburbs, they'd be like, oh, wow, you guys got grass in a backyard or whatever. They'd be like, well, what you talking about? This is the hood. You feel what I'm saying? So from my perspective, yeah, I know it's hard, but it's not as hard as New York because we don't even have that option. Now, as far as where the money is concerned, you can address that by having, even though, here's the thing, even though as of right now, we can't get big money out of politics outside of a U.S. constitutional amendment, what you can do is boost grassroots financing mm -hmm. and have something like public, um, public financing of ballot measures. 
You see what I'm saying? And have it multiple matched. So this way you can compete, can be competitive with big money. You see what I'm saying? Um, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. If, if I could if just... Want, go ahead. So um, to speak on uh, those kind of uh, both what uh, Sabrina and any Roger said. So, I I I, I want to clarify my position, and what I'm not I'm not telling anyone that not to do ballot initiatives because they're hard or ballot initiatives are too hard. To I know. Do. I know. What, I'm, what I'm what I'm saying is, like, okay, so Sabrina, you said that in Massachusetts, you've passed ballot measures. Uh, from what I've from my knowledge of Massachusetts, Massachusetts has one of the deepest traditions of organizing on the East Coast, which has one of the deepest traditions of organizing in the United States, um, just regionally. Uh, so my position isn't that people in Massachusetts should be like, oh, we did it so I can't cheat. My position is you have people in Massachusetts who know how to get these things done, but you have people in other states where it's much more difficult, much more, much it's easier, who just don't have this, those skills. They've never done it and don't know how to do it. All I'm saying is, if you feel like you have the skills and the knowledge and the know-how to help someone else, yes, organize in your community, but you can take those same skills and reach out to people in other communities and help them to organize and help them to along with the process um, and you could that's how you build cross intercommunal relationships and intercommunal solidarity and class politics by building those bridges and uh, that that is essentially what I'm trying to say okay so Alex let's talk then let's get together let's let's let, let's exchange information so I can help you and you can help us Absolutely. Um, so, uh, so how do I? Right now? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, I can, I can. I put my thing in. I just put my Twitter in the in the thing, in the okay. in the uh, what do you call it? And ju and you could just, you know what I mean. So this way, I might not be able to do it where I live, but mm -hmm. maybe I can help you. Yeah, so that's my uh, thing, right there. Well, yeah. So that's I'm not. Thing. I'm not personally trying. There's no ballot ballot initiative I'm personally working on. I'm just. I'm speaking yeah, I mean, more just, in terms of general. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's all good. That's all good. We'll, we'll, we'll worry about that later. We'll, yeah, just, yeah. Just, just take my information right there. Where is it? It's next to Roger M. I put it in the chat. I don't know how to use it. My the chat's not moving for me at all. Uh, oh, it's not working. Here, just just tell me. I'm just gonna put it in right now. What is it? At Roger two, D, O. T zero. Um, oh, yeah. So there's no D in Roger. Don't put no D in my first name. People be putting R O D G E R. It's like no, uh, there's no D. Vote ballot initiatives and start voting things. I love. Oh, they, all right. Like yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, oh, um, but when I, I, I want to make sure before I leave, if possible. Well, well, one second. Uh, I want to make sure. I think Bryce was trying to speak, so I want to make sure Bryce gets in. So go ahead, Bryce. Uh, Roger, um, like, uh, uh, baby mom, like, asked um, if she, if um, she wants to know, like, how um, 
you can get uh, uh, Dr. Cornwell West on the on on the ballot to like uh, vote for him. Like uh, she she really wants to know like uh, how to do that. So, I don't know if she's I don't know if she's from New York. Um, I'm asking you personally, Roger, because you you're in New York. Yeah, I think in New York you have to be affiliated with a party now. Um, which is probably why he's with People's Party and not running as an independent. Listen, um, I'll ask him. That's that's one of the questions I, I do have to ask him for Thursday night. So I will ask him about that because I know that's a question that a lot of people have on their mind. Uh, go ahead, Alex. Yeah, no, uh, I was going to say, I f- we have, what, 17 months, not even until the election. Um, I think it's going to be unlikely for him to manage for the People's Party to get Cornell West on the ballot. I think that if, as a broader sort of political community, um, the goal is to get him elected, I think it's going to have to, it's going to, have to be an, embrace, an embracing of, of the reality that he's probably going to have to run, like, it's probably going to be depending on a lot of write-ins. And that's very doable. Um, it's actually, I, I feel like there's a lot of focus on the need to get him, uh, get him on the ballot. I don't think that's actually necessary so much as as doing the marketing necessary for people to know that he's running in the first place. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I've been telling people again not to look at this as uh, Cornell West is the hero when he's going to come save the day, but to look at this as, uh, we are building, you know, a third party movement. And I think that's how people need to look at it going into this. Um, but I, I think you have a good point. I, I think that, you know, you're right in reference to the ballot access when people say people's party doesn't have ballot access, but do they necessarily have to, you know, and that's true. You can just write him in. But I think again, like, I think, this run for Dr. West is to build the movement and we'll see where it goes from here. Um, if there's no momentum behind it, then maybe that's a sign for people's party. But if there is momentum behind it, then that's a, that's a, a good sign for people's party. Like, okay, now we need to run more people. You know what I mean? So I think, yeah. I think like you can't just do it just by writing and maybe that is the strategy. That's actually something Lucy recommended a while back when she was saying, like, um, for people thinking about primary challenging against um, AOC. And Lucy said, like, just don't even worry about that. Just, like, write people in. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure to follow me. You didn't follow me. Yes, I did. You did? Yeah, I'm following you. Um, a liar. Mm. I just said, yeah, I'm following you. Um, I, that was actually what I wanted to what I wanted to talk about. That why why I put myself in the in the things when you were talking about that. Um, the comment I had on that was, you know, I, I I strongly feel that if people don't want a repeat of the same thing happening over and over and over again, where a candidate comes into prominence, they inspire hope. Um, and then people work to get them elected, and then they either do or don't get elected, and then all of the all of the burgeoning infrastructure that was created in the campaign disappears. It is the, there needs to be 
an intentional effort to create a I don't know if I if the word I'm looking for is non-hierarchical, but a or a non-central or decentralized, but there needs to be a, an intentional effort to create a sort of populist political infrastructure that can work um, independent of any specific um, candidate or campaign. And I think this is as good a time as any to start building that in terms of the Cornell West campaign. It's impossible that the People's Party has the political infrastructure necessary to actually get a national campaign going off off the ground from, in terms of grassroots. Like it would be fine if, if he would if he weren't going to face media blackouts and being ignored and being ignored even by a significant segment. There was a significantly powerful segment, especially of his own sort of niche political community uh in that case there's oh, the only way this campaign is going to have any legs is with serious grassroots organizing and the only way that's going to happen is if it doesn't rely on marching orders necessarily from the people's party but instead creates the infrastructure and builds a sort of grassroots um sort of volunteer political infrastructure that the campaign can then plug into and utilize and I think that uh, you know the, the one of the one of the big shames that I, uh, uh, the, the Bernie campaign was that I you know did, that we didn't think about that after, during that time because if we had if we had built that then I think that a lot of the political challenges we've been facing would would be much less of an issue if we had a sort of interconnected interwoven um, political uh, you know community. Uh, for um, sharing ins resources, information, movement of people, and strategizing overall, and you know, and that would also give someone like Cornell West much more um, of the necessary infrastructure to to run a campaign. But I think that still can be built. Um, I think that, but if we're going to do that, if that's going to happen, and I, I think it has to, it has to, it, it has to come from a place of building it building something that will be fundamentally independent so that whatever happens uh, after he's elected, it continues on and continues to grow and continues to build. Yeah. I think that's the point of people's party though. Like, I think that was the whole point. Like people's party was to be fair. One thing I will say about, um, well, when it was MPP is that they were doing actions on the ground. I will say that like they, I saw them like the, they participated in protests. They were also part of the Rage Against the War Machine rally. Like, I will say, like when it comes to the direct action and things like that, they were still participating in those particular things, mm -hmm. and they had no candidate at that point in time. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I think that, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's something that would have to continue after 2024 like that movement would still have to continue and uh you know i think dr west was right to call out bernie sanders and say that he missed that mark he did um which he said he would follow he would do if he didn't win he said he would continue his movement with his people and he did not so like that, that's, that's kind of my point um is that i know that, that that's what the people's party is supposed to be but my point is, you can't 
have it function where they were relying on someone else or some other group or someone outside of yourself to make the decision necessary to build that. It has to be built organically from within the community because they want it to exist, irrespective of the decisions of any outside, any, you know, any centralized figure or group. If I they, think if that's the point, the though. I know that's the point of people's party. But my, my, the point that I'm making is it has the community has to make the decision regardless of the community. You can't wait for the people's party to do it for you. You have to build it and let the, community, and let the people's party plug into it if they want to. Roger. Oh, um, you were on yeah, muted, it never so. came up. Oh, my bad. Am I here? Yeah. Um, it never came up, Alex. It, I, I keep refreshing. Okay, well, I just sent you a DM, and it said, like, it's it's roger.o, vote ballot initiatives, and start public banks. I'm looking he at sent you a, D, a DM, Roger, not in the live chat. It's a message. You have to go to your profile oh. and check your your DMs. No, it, it didn't send. It says uh, I can't send it because I'm not. You're not following me. I'm only following you. Okay, but it's Roger two dot oh, not Roger yeah, dot oh. Yeah, I'm following you. It's vote ballot initiatives and start public banks. That's you, right? I'm, I'm looking at your face. Yeah. Okay, I'll yeah. let you guys sort okay. this out in the live chat. I'm, I'm yeah. sorry. I, I, yeah, I'm just... sorry. I didn't. I didn't uh, um. But yes, that, that was that was the only thing I wanted to talk about in terms of Cornell West was just just a, a kind of open up the idea for you know there's a lot of discussion about you know Cornell West and is he going to run and all this stuff. I, I mean, I'm supporting Cornell West. Um, I'm all in because uh, I, I don't I don't I think there's a very I think the chances of him winning are very slim, but I know that they are zero if we don't do the work necessary to make it happen. And I am certain that their campaign does not have the capacity to do it, at least not right now. And the clock is ticking. So for me, what I what I what I'm focusing on is is, is reaching out to people who also want to organize um, without waiting for the campaign and figuring out how we can work together to make things happen, while also reaching out to the campaign and trying to get in contact with them so that we can plug into that. And all, all I'm all I'm saying is I would encourage others to consider ways to create this sort of political infrastructure whoever you support whether it's cornell west or anyone else but uh the the political infrastructure and sharing and community necessary so that whatever's happening you can strategize and create these sort of um marketing um organization canvassing phone calling all of that stuff that goes into running a campaign how to build that at the grassroots level irrespective of any candidate so the other candidates can so the candidate can plug into it if that's if that's the will of the group awesome thanks so much alex um i'm gonna go ahead to dave and i'm gonna be wrapping up here uh pretty quickly actually because i just looked at the time and i have an appointment um in the morning dave what's going on just gotta unmute Okay, while we wait for Dave, Edu, you're a speaker, just got to unmute. What's your take yes, on all this? Hi, yes, I'm going to 
thank you, Sabi, uh, for uh, having this uh, calling. I just want to also like highlight to everyone here um, that like Sabi, you're like, you're like a shiro for us because you're the only one who's still standing and calling. Like everyone else has left. As long as the what? coming. Like, I mean, like I don't see any of the other like YouTube uh, online lefties bloggers who are doing calling anymore. I think it's like, like a lot of them are not getting paid anymore. And so they just stop doing calling. And like, you're like the only one who's doing it at this point. Um, Wait, so nobody else has got a new show? I haven't seen, I haven't seen like Brie or, you know, like Useful Lydia's, Carrie Helper or like Aaron Mate. I haven't seen any of them posting any new episodes in, in, a, in a long time. So it's like, you know, like this is kind of the purpose of calling kind of complements the work that people do on, on their channels. And then it's an opportunity for the viewers to come and speak. So, I mean, I think like, especially during this time with like, you know, like any possibly alternatives to the mainstream candidates, like you're the only one who's holding this conversation at this point. But anyway, so I just wanted to, uh, you know, bring it out like so for everyone, um, because I think, um, you know, we need to have continue having these conversations. But anyway, coming to the Cornell West, I have a, a lot of thoughts that are not kind of like um, cohesive, but I'm going to try to make it as much as possible. I think uh, one thing that I noticed yesterday um, is that, um, you know, when Marianne announced her candidacy, when RFK announced her candidacy, you saw a lot of discrepancy among the online left. Like some of them were like more reluctant, to, were, uh, you know, eager to listen to this person. And then some of them disagree with them. There was some kind of division, so to speak. But what I've noticed yesterday with Cornell West is that he actually brought more like consensus among the left, the online left, but also Nick, you know, against Nick. That's essentially like the type of like consensus that I saw yesterday um, that like everyone for the most part supports uh, Cornell's West candidacy, but everyone also agrees that it's a bad idea doing it with the MPP, you know, especially with Nick. So I just thought that was kind of curious because it's kind of like, Nick and the end, at the end of the day is bringing like the online left together, but against him. So that's kind of the, the, the thing I've noticed yesterday. And then the other thing is that um, I agree with you that uh, we shouldn't get our hope highs with the, you know, any prospects or kind of the legacy that the Cornell's West run can have, like, you know, it will set the, the ground for a um, third party movement. I agree with you. But however, I do think, and I'm curious to see how that conversation went along between him and MPP, because, you know, like if you're working a, a third party movement, a labor movement, you want to make it as democratic as possible from the get go. And the fact that like, if it was just like an appointment or just like, you know, just take, just take, um, you know, the platform, use the platform to run this campaign, create this new movement 
or try to like garner that Bernice movement from 2016. I think it's 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 kind of in my opinion it's kind of set to fail because I think like if you wanna construct something that is solid, you have to make it democratic from the get-go. And the fact that there are no primaries, that there was no primaries, that's my take from the MVP. I think like that's a issue. And, uh, mm. and you know, because I think like I, it makes me question not so much on Cornell's West, but on the MPP in the fact that like, they just wanna like, you know, get a high profile person to like run with their, like with their platform so that they also benefit from that. And, um, and you know, they tried to get Jimmy Dore, like, you know, early I'm this year. Her. And, you know, like, I think Nick went out of, without the con- the consent of Jimmy Dore and Steph by posting, like, uh, like weird tweets. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, and that totally failed. And then, you know, like, as much as uh, you may disagree with Ryan Grimm and, you know, all of that, he did point out that, like, the MPP is not really having, like, a sort of primaries or, like, oh, at least a Congress, like a party Congress where, like, people can discuss candidates and appoint someone neither um, is the, but neither is the democratic party i know but like but the, <laughs> but, the, but the third party movement wants not to be the democratic party right so that's the thing like that's like that the the democratic party is not the the kind of like uh, stick that you want to measure yourself against you know like yeah but, but ryan Grimm is not the best person to look towards uh in reference to this particular issue ryan Grimm always comes out of the woodwork and i told him this to his face yeah yeah. always comes out of the woodwork to shit on any movement outside of the democratic party absolutely like again like but again you can you can you can there are bad act by faith actors and he most of the time is that but at the same time you know like he can make valid points and that was not in reference to cornell who was candidacy it was in reference to jimmy doors so you can really tell, okay, that's like probably was a bad faith argument. But the fact is like, I want to understand, I want to see whether that kind of appointment or that kind of like, I don't know, I don't, I don't know the words like for what the, that Cornell West nomination, I guess, uh, from the, the MPP, but like, how does that compare like uh, against their, like, you know, their own party's guidelines, bylaws, like, I'm sure like it's in the bylaws that they have to establish a way to select a candidate. I'm not sure. I'm not an expert in party politics, but like, I am just, I want to see more of that because, um, and with Cornell's West, I obviously like don't disagree with anything. Like I, I, I think like he needs, we need that kind of people running, but also like, I want to hear more of his like actual policy, um you know platform like in terms of like more concrete actions of what he's uh, supposed to um implement if he gets elected or if you know if he was in a position of power just so that like we have that um that clear in everyone's mind we can start talking more about like actual policy so have you looked at his platform on the website no no to be honest no i haven't Okay, yeah, because we talked, we went over the platform earlier tonight on YouTube, so it's it's all laid out there on the website. Yeah. yeah. 
So anyway, so I'm just trying to see, like, you know, for the long term, I'm trying to think about the lo the long term goal of like the third party movement and uh, how we can ensure that, like, you know, it's set on solid ground. Yeah, that's a good point. Thank you so much for that, um, Dave. I don't, I don't know, Dave, if you're there, unmute. Going once, going twice. Three times. Okay, going to TJ. TJ, you are the next caller. Just got to unmute. And then I'm going to wrap up in about 15 minutes. What's up, TJ? Hey, how's it going, Seth? It's been a while. Uh, <laughs> I've, uh, it's, not, it's not one thing, it's another. Like I said, uh, just got my uh, daughter tested. Uh, she's probably going to be autistic. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on. Like I said, I miss Rome's water drive down here when he came. This time around, uh, I wish I would have made it. it. I was so upset I couldn't get to go. I know he only had two guys there, and it was only me and another guy last time he came. So, oh, um, this is oh, are you in Jackson? Yeah, I am. I am in Jackson. I am. Uh, this is purple, by the way, <laughs> purple philosophy. But uh, I'm not familiar how to set up everything on this. So this is actually the second time I've been on. So, uh, and you know, it's just a lot of stuff happening. I got a. I actually have shingles right now, so it's, I'm trying to <laughs> take care of all kids all that taken care of. Uh, just been taking medication, trying to get over this. Yeah, that's why I couldn't go down there, and I just didn't want you know, uh, couldn't help him out with that U-Haul and his water this time. So, uh, but yeah, like I said, man, uh, uh, I think I heard one of your calls earlier saying that, uh, man, uh, I just, I just hope that this is not going to be Bernie Sanders 2.0. Like, I think it was Zach, he made this point. Earlier, he's got. If he does make it to the debate stage, and believe me, he—you can say what you want to about Nick Brana, but if if anybody else that is not familiar with this party, because there's going to be a lot of people that don't know anything about this party, nothing about this party. Like Nick Brana just struck gold when he came out and said this. I mean, you can say what you want to about Nick. I mean. Uh, it shouldn't be removed. Yeah, I mean, I you know I agree with mostly everybody saying about him, but you know uh, they're gonna look at Cornell West. That's all they're gonna see. You know, they're gonna see if if I mean this this party man just went like if for a party that's only to have a candidate like him, man, you're gonna have all kind of people come out and endorse him. You you probably gonna have like uh, you know you gonna have Chris Hedges endorse him. You probably gonna have uh, NAACP endorse this guy. All, all of mostly all of Black America, that you know, after everything that's happened with the George Floyd, everything like this, all kind of affiliations are going to be endorsing this guy. I mean, he is going to get endorsements. I, I haven't seen a third party candidate like this in my lifetime. I don't think there's ever been a bigger name in a third party than what we're seeing right now. And I don't look at this. I don't really look at this as a. If if he's like gonna win, I look at this like an experiment. Cause to me, this is exactly what this nothing like this has ever happened before. That a candidate this big that has come out of like absolutely nowhere. Just I mean, nobody expected him to do this, and then that's exactly what needed to happen. Nobody expected him to do this. Exclusive, I mean, because you had okay, Crystal we were, Kyle, apparently. We were, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you had a. You know, Robert F. Kennedy, then you had like, you know, oh, 
Oh, I mean, but when he did this, I mean, it's like, what? I mean, this dude just shocked everybody. I mean, uh, you know, and I'm really going to be curious to see, you know, who he picks. You know, is he going to pick Democrats to be in his cabinet? That Who's who's his vice president going to be? What is his cabinet going to look like? To me, do you think, I mean, I believe he needs to stay away from Republicans and Democrats because I believe that's a point he's trying to make is you cannot because it's going to come back on him. And I'm, you know, he's going to have all kinds of stuff come back on him. Nick's going to come because when you just by mentioning Nick's the founder, of course, people that know nothing about him are going to know absolutely everything about him now. They're going to know who, well, who founded a party and a what? Like, uh, well, we got to talk about this. We, we, we got to talk think- about it's, it's going to be more about, and I, I think it's going to be they're going to try to frame it about Nick more than about him, but. Um, to me, you know, Nick's not running for president. Cornell's running for president. Um, but like I say, um, it's uh, like I said, nothing like this. Nobody like this, this big a name has ever run in a in a in a third party before. And it's going to be really interesting to see what happens, uh, you know, regardless of what happens. You know, I'm pretty sure. I mean, even if he doesn't make it to the debate stage, just imagine just imagine he if, if if he can't debate. This isn't going to be like where Jill Stein gets handcuffed and arrested. This is going to be like, okay, I tell you what I'm going to do. If I don't make it to the debate stage, that's going to even make it better for me because while y'all are doing that, the same night that the debate is going on, and he's not a Republican, he's not a Democrat. All he's got to do is go on your podcast, Jimmy's podcast, Joe Rogan's podcast, while the debate is going. And it's, and all they gotta do is when them live stream it the same night, but the moderator asks for questions and he's not on that debate stage, you're not gonna stop Cornell West from not debating. He's gonna be held with the debate. If it's gonna be on your show, like remember when uh uh Jill Stein couldn't debate, I think what was RT, they had the debates. You have so many podcasts now that are not gonna turn him away. I mean, just imagine, okay, he goes on your show. Or Jimmy's show, or whoever's show. If you shut him down, he's still going to get his word out. And all you got to do is, like, the moderator going to come and going to cut you off. And, like, bro, if you do that, you're going to take away that because that gives them an advantage when he's on the debate stage because they have an opportunity to cut him off. They can do it, they can speak over him. They're not going to have that same advantage if he goes on somebody else's show and then they pause it and they're like, Cornell, what do you think about what uh, President Biden just said? Boom. He's got a counter to that. So, I mean, you, you're not going to be able to stop it. And that's going to be that's going to work out better for him because he doesn't have to worry about anybody speaking over him or if he's just the only guy there. I mean, to me, that that's that's one thing. And uh, like I said, um, I don't know. Uh, but uh, it, it's going to be interesting. Like Nick, Nick was exactly right. Nothing like this has ever happened. No big name like this has ever come out like this before. Because, uh, like I said, this was a shocker to everybody. Nobody expected him to do this. And like I say, his cabinet picks. That's also going to be another, you know, another thing. You know, and uh, I know you're going to do a good interview. I know you said you. I know you've been on here for about uh, going on like almost four four hours. But. Uh, um, I just wanted to let you know, man, you, uh, you're doing a really good job and I really appreciate, you know, everything you do. Uh, 
and uh, just keep up the good work. And uh, I'll uh, oh, I'll be in touch. Thank you so much. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I'm I'm gonna prep really well for my debate for my uh, not debate. Sorry, that's thinking about something else. <laughs> and, and also, too, <laughs> I'm, gonna prep really I'm sorry well, like, for my, my interview. Uh, it won't be the first time I interview him, but this time it's it's different, you know. And um, yeah. I already had like a list of questions I wanted to ask, and then you guys gave some extra ones tonight too. So. Um, yeah, but his, 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 I think one of the most interesting is his cabinet was, is going to be very interesting because, well, I mean, because if he goes Democrats, I mean, he's going to be, I mean, you know, it's like, okay, and then does he have any idea who he's going to pick for his VP or anybody? Like, okay, why would you pick, uh, um, just saying like, a uh, Democrat, uh, Chuck Schumer, you know, to be his vice president? Why, why would you pick Chuck, you know, it's, you know, I'm not I'm sure he probably wouldn't pick him, but I don't I really don't know who he's going to pick. So but uh, and like I say, his endorsements are going to be crazy, too. I mean, he's going to have so many endorsements. It's going to it's it's, it's going to just pretty much uh, eclipse everybody else's. I mean, it, I mean, he should have more endorsements because, you know. Barack Obama was a lawyer. I mean, if when he, you know, and this guy's a civil rights activist, you know what I'm saying? So he, he's gonna, he's gonna just be like, destroy what Obama had with black America. Yeah, I'm telling you right now. Uh, yeah, that's what you know, need to he, really understand. Black Panther Party, even though he wasn't in it. He I mean, he took the Martin Luther King. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You need to understand that, like, Cornell West is what Obama should have been. He's what Obama should have been. Obama, like, it, it just, it, it, you know, we don't need any more, like, I, I, like, I'm sorry. We don't need another lawyer for president. Right, we, we don't. don't. Like, it just, it, you know, and people, like, we all have our criticisms of Donald Trump, like, his ridiculousness. But, but I think one that, of the things that was so appealing to Donald Trump for a lot of people is the fact that he was not uh, a lawyer and he was not a politician. And I think that's something that people need to pay attention to is the fact that, listen, you know, again, like go into this with the mindset of this is the start of building a third party movement. And I that's think, right. I, I think at this point it needs to be done outside of the green party based on what I've seen and what I've heard with the green party. Like I, I asked, um, I asked her earlier tonight, um, oh, I forget her name. But I asked her earlier tonight, why didn't the Green Party reach out to Cornell West? Oh, no. I don't know. It was Philena. And, and, you know, and it's, and it's, it's not on her. It's, it's definitely not on her. But the thing sure. is, is like, we're thinking that, though. And we're not even we're not even on the board of the Green Party. But we're thinking, like, reach out to Cornell West. Like, reach out to so-and-so. They're not even reaching out to these people. What did I tell you? Right. And, you know, then, and, and then they, they got to be able to get those ballot, you know, those ballot, you know, in every state, man, if they don't get that, then this thing's dead in the water. I mean, and that's why I'm not, I, you know, he might not get ballot access. I mean, like what it, uh, I think Keaton was saying, he's going to give him, what, 90 days or something like that? Three months? I mean, that's that's, uh, that's a good time for him. You don't I mean, have but, to necessarily, if you're building yeah. the movement, that sure. may not be the focus. So I'll ask him Thursday night, you know, what is the plan? 
Um, yeah, that... I don't know. If, I don't know if Kim asked him that. That's the thing. I need to tomorrow. I got to do my homework tomorrow. I need to watch Kim Iverson's yeah, interview to make sure because I don't want to ask the same things that that I like to watch interviews before I interview someone because I don't like to ask the same questions. But the thing is, I need I need to check that interview and ask if Kim asked him that she may not have asked him that. But yeah. I will ask, like, you know, what is the plan given like the current bout situation? But if the plan is to just do write-ins, that's still a plan. Yeah. And that's exactly, that's the same thing that Lucy said in reference to AOC. Just write in people. And that's the thing. Maybe that's that's what needs to happen. But I think this is a test to see, like, can we build the movement? And if you already have people saying, well, no, he's not going to win, so I'm not going to try then we'll never even build a third party movement. And I think that's what people need to understand. Right. All right. Well, I appreciate it, Sabi. And like I said, uh, I just want to apologize to Rome. I mean, I, man, I, I hate not being there for him. There were so many people that we helped last time he was down here. And, you know, like I said, I, I, I just felt, I, I just, I just feel really bad when I can't help him anytime he's down here, man, because I don't have the resources, you know, you know, to, to give to my community, you know, and like when it comes to like YouTube channels, I would love to make a YouTube channel, but I'm oblivious when it comes to OBS studio and, uh, 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 that other one, uh, with the duck, uh, stream yard stream, you know, I just, I just don't really have the time because, you know, I'm always taking care of my dad with Parkinson's. My wife's sick. She's got gastroparesis from Kepka contaminated water. Uh, you know, I got my daughter, uh, I keep her like almost 24 seven. So, uh, and, and I'm, and I'm probably going to get a second job and maybe a third job. So I really don't know if, uh, you know, like I said, I was working 110 hours a week and, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm probably going to go doing that again. So, uh, just to get called back on bills, I've already had two loans that I took out, but, uh, uh, that's, you know, gotta do what you gotta do. So, um, but uh yeah man I, like i said i rome's supposed to be opening up a clinic man and uh uh hopefully i can be down i don't know what kind of clinic it's gonna be here but uh when he comes down again man uh, hopefully i'm i'm there for him next time he gets to come down so i appreciate it savvy thanks a lot much tj i'm gonna go ahead and pivot to i'm gonna go ahead and pivot to all right bad cookies. thank you bad cookies we're gonna bad wrap up your pretty, pretty quick we're going to go to Bad Cookies. I'm going to bring bad in cookie. Lysol, then Neoliberal, and Maria. So go ahead, Bad Cookies. You just got to unmute. Yes, ma'am. I'll keep this down to one question then. Um, I, how are you doing tonight is not the question. I just want to know how you're doing tonight. I'm good. It's been a really busy day. <laughs> uh, yeah, you've had a hell of a list of call-ins tonight. That's why I'm trying to knock this out quick because you've been at this for a minute. Um, my question to you uh, involves um, <clears throat> the Mike Figueredo situation. It's uh, really messed up that uh, he's he's uh, having his channel like messed with. I don't like that that's happening to him. But in a, on the other foot, I feel like it. He has this kind of coming to him because he he was very adamant about the censorship that YouTube was allowed to to do, and he's very supportive of youtube censorship and now that it's happening to him even though he's not being censored in a way but he he's okay with the abuse of power that youtube has and now that it's being used against him he's having a problem with it i, I think it's kind of hypocritical what do you think about that 
What do you mean he's okay with the censorship? Well, I don't watch previously reports. So I'm sorry, go ahead. I don't watch humanist reports. So what do you mean by that? Uh, his previous stances on censorship was uh, he's okay with deplatforming extreme uh, quote unquote extreme right wingers that are detrimental to uh, society. At least that's his position on things. If you did not know that. He's so he's okay. He's perfectly okay with censoring quote unquote right wingers. Yeah, I'm not okay with that. Like, I may not agree with them, but I don't. There is no okay, let's do some part of censorship and only censor one group of people. That's not how censorship works. It can start with one group and then it eventually spreads to others. Yeah, it's a vicious chain. And I, would I, thought I think people would have realized that by now. You would think so, but he, apparently he didn't. He didn't think they would come after him. I guess so. Um, it's uh, it's kind of messed up that he that that's happening to him. But I also did not like that he played his gay card on that because, like, he literally said it on air, like, "Oh, you know, it didn't occur to me to play my gay card on this until someone gave me the idea." That 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 wasn't cool to me. That was like, well, it's just like you're just gonna pull it out whenever you want something gone your way. That's not really. That's detrimental to your cause. You know what I mean? And I'll leave, I'll leave with that, Sabs. Uh, you have a good night. Yeah, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. Let's bring in um, Lysol. Just got to unmute, and then I'm going to need. Hey, Sabby. Um, so I'm, I'm going to agree with most of the people on the Cornell West stuff. I'm cautiously optimistic, and he's one of the few people on a very short list that I would give the benefit of the doubt on. But I was actually kind of more curious if you watched the uh, the video that RFK took at the border at like 2 a.m. this morning. I did see it. I, I saw part of it on Twitter. It's It sounds like he's trying to run to the right of Biden on the border. Yep. Is So we can stop pretending this guy's a leftist now, right? He, I don't think he ever said he was. He never said that. When I went to cover his announcement on the ground, he said he's not uh, a progressive, so to speak. He's an old school Democrat. And the old school Democrats in reference to like his dad days. So it's very different compared to what Democrats are now. Um so just keep that in mind with RFK Jr. Like he's not a progressive. He never said he was a progressive. He never said he was a leftist. Um, I think some people think that because he's to the left of Biden on some issues, but to the right of him on maybe some other issues like immigration. Ah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, that was my main thing. I've just I've been watching that guy. You know, I've been I've been I've been incredibly heartened to see the left community like realize what a piece of garbage that guy is especially the stuff around palestine and roger waters and stuff i was like yep i could have told you that in advance yeah it's crazy it's crazy um i think that um he has more support from independents i mean i'm an independent i'm registered independent but i think he has more support from independents and from people on the right he has some democrat support but i think I think what's going to happen is I think some of those Democrats that support him, once they hear his views about immigration, I think that may change. Hmm. So we'll, we'll see like, um, because uh, 
you know, a lot of the Democrats will agree with him on the Israel and Palestine issue. That's the thing. Like we're just talking about the standard Democrat. They will agree with him on that issue. Some of the leftists won't agree with him on that issue, but the traditional Democrats for the most part will just like Hakeem Jeffries, like agrees with him, has the same position he does in reference to Israel. So I think that, um, what may turn some traditional Democrats away from him is the immigration issue. I think that's going to be the big one. Um, I, I think mainstream media keeps thinking it's going to be like the vaccine. I don't think that's the one because when I asked people that question at his announcement, most people didn't care about that. But that being said, his views about immigration weren't heavily stressed during his announcement. And so I think once that comes out more about his immigration stance, that's going to turn the, the traditional Democrats away from RFK Jr. Um, but I don't think that will turn them towards Marianne. I think these are different groups. I don't think the same people who support Marianne would support RFK Jr. and vice versa, based on what I've seen, like from talking to the people. Yeah, totally. I think, I mean, is my personal bold prediction, and I might not be right on this, is that RFK at some point is going to have to tack right and realize that the vaccine stuff is actually the strongest thing he has, go, has going for people that actually still support him, and then he'll go full anti-vax. So it already looks like Ron DeSantis is going to try to push a difference between him and Trump. And I, I do think COVID relitigation is actually going to be a pretty big topic in the election as much as a lot of people don't want to talk about it. Like it's, you know, the, the Republicans are doing that big show pony, like, you know, truth and reconciliation committee about it and stuff. And I feel like it's still a pretty good, still a pretty good touchdown. People still get really yeah, the, mad no matter what. The COVID thing works in Trump's favor because this is my opinion. I think the COVID issue in reference to the lockdowns works in Trump's favor because Trump didn't say, okay, every state needs to lock down. He said, I'm gonna leave it up to the governors, but Trump criticized the governors that locked down their states. And I think that may work in Trump's favor more so than Biden's favor because Biden was the one that came in and said, federal contract employees have to get the jab. So I think that is not going to work in, 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 in reference to Joe Biden. I think that's a big one. Like the, the COVID, like the mandates and um, that happened under Joe Biden, I don't think that's going to work in his favor along with the economy, of course, but um, and student loan debt cancellation, by the way. There's, there's a number of things, but I think when you look at the COVID thing, Trump never made that rule where federal contract employees or other employees have to get the vaccine. And I think that's going to be a, a big difference. Yeah. But I mean, he's, you know, the, the, he's been, he's been asked in, in interviews and stuff to try to disavow the vaccine. And he's like, no, I'm proud of it. And I honestly think that Ron DeSantis's oppo research shows him that the biggest disconnect between Trump and his base is the support for the vaccine. And I don't think he's going to change his mind about it. Cause when is, when has Trump ever decided that something he did was wrong and changed his mind on it? Supporting the vaccine and mandating the vaccine are two different things. 
But the anti-vaxxers are really pushing into the vaccine being bad, not just mandated, like that it's causing real harm, the clot shot, all that type of stuff, like the, the really rapid base. I don't I don't think they're drawing that distinction personally. That's my opinion. Anti-vaxxers in reference to the COVID vaccine or all vaccines? The COVID vaccine, the, the died suddenly crowd. Yeah, I think that's not what I've heard. Um, what I've heard is like people who are against the COVID vaccine was more so the fact that it it wasn't tested long enough, which is true um, when you compare it to other vaccines. But it seemed like, in my opinion, it was more so the fact that it was the mandates, mandating people to have the vaccine in order to keep their job. That was the big the big kicker that I saw. Uh, even so, like even Max Blumenthal talks about this. Like I don't think his big thing was, okay, people support vaccines. I think it was more so people are being forced to get this vaccine that is new and we don't really know the side effects and all that kind of stuff that can happen later on. I think that was the big thing. Um, so I think that's the difference. So yeah, like Trump, supported it in the end supported like yeah you should get the vaccine but trump didn't mandate it under federal law joe biden did and i think that can be a, a different factor along with this war rushing ukraine and along with uh the economy I, I honest i'll be honest with you guys i think ron DeSantis is wasting his time this dude is running on woke like, this is so fucking stupid. During a time when people are suffering economically, that's what he's choosing to run on. And I have to say this multiple times. The average working class person who is just trying to pay their bills is not thinking about, like, you know, uh, the woke ideology that Ron DeSantis is running on. They're not thinking about those things. Ron DeSantis wouldn't know that because he's not working class. Ron DeSantis went to Yale. He doesn't understand. He don't know these people. So like, like that's the difference is like, you really, you guys really think like people who are making $7 and 50 cents an hour and an, an hour are thinking about these, these issues, the cultural issues that Ron DeSantis is running on. No, they're not. It, it, it's a stupid idea. I don't know who recommended this for his campaign, but that's so fucking stupid. <laughs> I'm sorry. Here's the thing, Sabrina. Um, the Republican base is not just everyday people. He is running, just like Trump did, towards white angst and white grievance of the poor and working class white Americans. And that's why Trump was able to get away with saying all type of bigoted things and still, and even to this day, still garners a certain amount of support. So they're not trying to do that. What they're banking on is if Trump, for whatever the reason, is out of the arena, they know they can play those cultural issues because if they come out in the lead, the Republican structure is going to get behind them just like they did Trump. So he's saying all these things because he knows it plays to a certain segment of the base. And what he is hedging is that he is speaking to the same base that Donald Trump spoke to. And so that if Donald Trump, for any of his legal reasons, is not there, he's the number two guy. And unless some of these other people 
like Chris Christie or this and that who are jumping in can pull some steam from him, then if Trump is not there, he's the, the one standing and they're just going to consolidate around him. We've seen that before. And so I think that's why he's playing it that way. I still don't think it will work in a general election. Yeah. But then again, Biden is so wounded and he is so weak. I just, you know, it's it's a toss up at this point, you know, depending upon what the situation is. And if the if the Democratic base is demoralized and does not show up, because remember, um, Biden won, but Trump got a whole lot of votes. <laughs> so if um, for lack of better terminology, if Joe Biden stumbles, then I can see a lot of those other ones, you know, taking taking the lead. Whoever the Republican nominee happens to be, I can see them you know, taking it. It's just, you know, it's just a bad set yeah. of... Yeah, I hear that. I just, I don't think Trump is going to jail. I've seen but the walls are closing Trump in. He may not go to yeah, jail, he's... but he may be forced <laughs> to make some choices in order to avoid other consequences. You know, they have ways of putting you in a bind in a box and you just fade out because they really don't want to see a former American president go to jail. They just want Donald Trump out of the race. I really think, I'll bring in you, Maria. Part of me feels like, and maybe this is a little silly, but part of me feels like there are segments of the Democratic Party that is hoping that DeSantis is the nominee to help Joe Biden win. I could be wrong, but that's that's part of what I feel. Go ahead, Maria. You're unmuted. I I, I think you're unmuted. It looks like you're on my screen. Okay, let's bring in uh, neoliberal tears. Hey, what's up? Is um, yeah, I'm just uh, really um, grateful for the awesome show, awesome conversation. I th I agree with you, Sabi. I think Ron DeSantis, like, uh, I listened to a, a bit of his um, spaces because I hate myself. And it the way he was going about DEI, like it was like ISIS, like it was a national security crisis with DEI people. And I'm sorry, if you're a regular person just trying to feed yourself, you don't give a shit about any of that stuff. So I agree with you. I think he's like an elite idiot who like tries to be a, I mean he is a bigot for sure don't get me wrong but like pretending like DEI consultants are this as are a grave emergency issue for the country as much as like <laughs> literally anything else I mean pick a thing um I think he's not going anywhere I think he has a ceiling uh of, of like 18 percent I mean he's such a joke like honestly go to like like go to Baltimore and I use Baltimore because that's where my family's from originally. And the thing is, is like, if I go and ask my cousins, like in Baltimore, like, oh, um, Ron DeSantis is running against like DEI and da da da, they're just gonna look at me like, who and what? What is what is DEI? 
That's the thing. Like most people don't even know. So if I said, look, okay, well, diversity, you know, equity and inclusion, he's running against that and da, da, da. Like, I'm just going to tell you the looks and the stares that I would get. Put it this way. You have to if make, I walked yeah. into the black, even worse, if I walked into a black barbershop in Baltimore and I said, by the way, guys, this Ron DeSantis guy, he's running on this, like, he's running against, like, diversity, equity, inclusion. And you guys got to watch out because he can't win. This will be bad for everybody. Do you know the looks and the stares that I would get in the fucking barbershop? All the guys would turn and look at me and be like, first of all, who? And like, second what? of all, like, the who what? Gets that fuck? Like, I live, and let me, let me join you. Like, I live in the rural Midwest. Same reaction exactly that I'm going to get walking anywhere and being like, nobody gives a shit who Ron DeSantis is. Nobody gives a fucking shit. I'm sorry. Like, it's just, it's the, it, like, he couldn't be more out of touch with where people, and you know, you actually, you made a good point. You, you covered also like, um, RFK going to New Hampshire and talking about the mandates and censorship. And you sort of, you brought up a great point and it, it you sort and you, but, that I never thought about. Like, yeah, like New Hampshire didn't really have strict like lockdowns or anything or anything like that, but he was trying to act like, censorship is like going to be the real the thing that connects with voters so i don't know i think rfk might be the DeSantis on the democratic side in terms of you know exactly should I interview dude like should i interview dude should i try to see if i could interview uh <laughs> DeSantis? i don't think it would go well <laughs> that would be so funny oh my god i mean just for the content i mean of course i mean come on i mean no, if I, TYT I can do i don't think Matt it Gates, would go well because i was just like what the I, fuck that's are exactly you right that's exactly right <laughs> like, i don't think so either on the stupid shit <laughs> it's so that i mean it's honestly just to raise his national profile it's the same thing with nikki haley like they're just attention whores like it's 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 to get they know they're not gonna win like they they, they just like they think we're idiots Basically. Oh, I could probably get an interview with her. Might might I ask a thing or two that's been Go. on my mind? Go ahead, Maria. Thank you. Thank you, lovely lady. Um I I was just listening to TJ earlier. Um and what it really made me think of is the micro view versus the macro view. And in turn, especially in terms of political candidates and in situations like TJ's, I've spent my entire life working on behalf of underserved and underrepresented populations. And it only benefits individuals here and there at a time, not, you know, and when it comes to political candidates and people that you want to recruit votes, why, why do candidates always focus and get caught up in? And why do we talk about the micro issues, the cultural politics, you know, the here and there when, you know, we all just really crave a macro candidate issue that just says it's utter absolute bullshit that people have to work two or three jobs 
to just barely get by and look out for people and their families. Why, why, why can't we just find a candidate who is absolute on the macro view that we're all getting bullshitted, we live in a corporatocracy that's rigged. I, I, I just think, I think a lot of the more micro issues are distracting from the real focus. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. Where are you at on that, Savvy? I think that I hear where you're coming from. I, I think that a candidate like DeSantis is focusing on, focusing on issues that the majority of people who are working class and are poor don't have time to think about because they are struggling financially. And I think that's a big part of the problem. Ron DeSantis, I think, is going to get a wake-up call. I think he's going to have to understand that what is working in Florida, which, by the way, some of the people who supported him this time around are not too happy. What's working in Florida doesn't work for the rest of the country. Florida's number five in income inequality, by the way. There you can, go. Can I say something on that? Hi. Go ahead, Tilly. Thank you, Parson. Uh, here's the thing. First of all, the the micro things are very easy, right? Like uh, it's just uh, passing a law on this or passing a law on that is much easier than fixing poverty, poverty or inequality, right? Like that's the easy part. Second, they are called... Right, this is a, a view from a, from outside, but there's a and these laws we have, and they are called fourth or fifth generations rights because the first ones these are supposed to be rights that you fight for after you get your food secure, you get a roof over your head, and you get education, and then you go for these other rights, right? The the, the cultural ones or the woke ones that you call. But the thing is that when you mention this and don't, I don't think you should underestimate the power that go that has going against. Oh, this is bullshit that they are doing, because it makes more obvious, right? Like I'm not being fed, and these people are passing on these laws that I don't need at the, and I don't even understand, and that can be very powerful if you're against them. So maybe it's not going. Right, like the the speech of oh they're wasting their time, because for the Democrats and for many politicians it's much easier to pass one of those laws than to really uh, lower taxes on the poor people and putting taxes on the rich. Right, that's it's much more easy to go and pass an LGBT equality law. Right, because it's mm -hmm. not going to make so. Well, I, don't already... underestimate. That. But we already have LGBT. Well, I, I mentioned that because, right, like I, I mentioned a five generation right in, in the way that is not, it's one of the easy ones. It's not the ones yeah. that people need. And sometimes it makes the, the people very angry that some, that some uh, the Democrats, for instance, are going right with the, oh, we give you this right and this other right. But yeah. But I'm not being fed, or I, I'm not having my primary needs uh, fulfilled, yeah. and so well, that I mean, makes a lot of people angry in the speech. Um, yeah. 
Don't underestimate yeah, that. But, but the thing is, is like, even if you look at the polls and like, like, it's very clear that Trump is the favorite over DeSantis. It's very clear. Like to people, it's just like, like even Trump criticized Ron DeSantis for running on woke. He was like, Trump said, I don't know if you guys saw this recently, but Trump was like, I don't even know what woke means anymore. Like people just, just throw it out there. It's like, there's no definition anymore. It's just like, woke, 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 woke. I don't know what it means. <laughs> but here, here's another thing to, to consider, uh, Maria. They're not focusing on the macro issues because they have nothing to offer. They're, if, when you think about the macro issues in terms of people's basic needs across the entire spectrum of the masses, that is counter to the corporate ideology. And these, both of the major parties are serving the corporate needs. So especially the Republicans are not going to come out and speak to those macro issues because they have no intention of using whatever power they have to move those issues forward. They talk about the micro things because it brings more trauma to people who are already afraid of being left behind. And it particularly works on the right because those people, they're speaking to a grievance that they know exists. If you convince people that you don't have a job because of the Mexicans coming across the border and your kids are being miseducated because LGBTQ people go to school and this and that. Those are low hanging fruit. And so they use those as means to divide. They're not going to speak to the big issues that would cause a coalition because they're like, if we start promising universal health care and, you know, un promising employment and fair minimum wages and things like that, they're not planning on the delivering that. And so they don't even speak to, it. they speak to those small issues that are divisive and, and ugly and big and tribal and nationalist because that motivates their peace. And if I spoke English correctly, that's, that's what I meant to say. <laughs> they speak to, they speak to quickly. Yeah, one that, second, Maria. I was just going to say they speak to scapegoat issues. They always have to have a scapegoat. Richard Wolf talked about this in reference to capitalism. People are too afraid to call out capitalism. So instead, what they'll do, they have been conditioned to do this since they were born. What they'll do is they'll call out other people by their identity or their race and they'll put them down as scapegoats and they'll blame them for the reason why they don't have economic prosperity in this country. And I think that's important for people to really understand because like they don't, that's obviously not true. And what you have to really get is like, that is a tool of the elites and the establishment to get you to turn on each other so that you're not pointing fingers at the 1%. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I didn't have anything to that. I just wanted to express my celebration and absolute love for Noelle. I, she, she always brings such amazing perspective and dialogue to everything she does. And I, I don't cross paths with her often enough, but 
she's a joyful, high quality human being. And I really, really appreciate her. Thank you so much, Maria. That validates me in a way that I can't even articulate, but thank you so very No, she's right. And you know, Noel, that's, that's what happened here is, yeah. is they, they make people so angry that, right? Like they, they got into this celebrate. No, we gave you this, we gave you that, that the far right came out and said, oh, look at all this bullshit that they give you and they are not feeding you. And that makes people very angry. Yeah. Also, I think we need to be careful with that. Go ahead, Roger, and then I'm going to wrap up. So I just want to say real quick, there's this assumption that I, I've heard TJ say it, and I heard that guy on, on Fox say it. Oh, he's going to get the black vote and so on and so forth and, and all these assumptions. Um, the thing is, from what I'm seeing, American freedmen are becoming single-issue voters. And single issue voters are a threat to politicians because they have a single focus and are apathetical to any other issue. Um, they are not, I mean, it's, it's like they're, they're uh, uh, reparationists. So seeing that there was no reparations plan on his, um, um, on his platform, you know what I mean? That's going to be a, a problem. There was no anti-hate crime bill law on his platform and no ending of qualified immunity. And I'm, I'm seeing the, and, and they're conservative on immigration policy. They don't like the Democrats immigration policy because they see it as this displacing um, the freedman community. So I think people should not be putting black people in this monolith thinking, Oh, Oh, he's going to get the black vote. And I'm like, not really. You know what I mean? And I mean, so it's just something that, that, you know, people should be aware of before they say, oh, he's going to get the black vote. And I'm like, uh, Generation X, Millennials and, and Zoomer black people, are, they're, they're becoming single issue voters on, you know, on, and they're going to becoming a force on the reparations, on a lineage based reparations issue as time goes on. You know, and they don't care if, like, yeah, fine, you want all these other things, but something specific for us. So that's just something to keep in keep in mind. Yeah, and I'll ask uh, Dr. West about that on Thursday. But, um, yeah, these are all good points, you guys. I'm going to... Can, can I say the last thing, Sabrina? Sorry, before you... Really quick, because I do have to go. Yeah, it's, and maybe you don't appreciate the stability you have. Right, like you are to me, it's fascinating that you are one year before discussing the next election. We are a month through our presidential election, we still have the candidates mm -hmm. fighting each other. So, the thing is, if you vote for these people having two parties that are so consolidated, and even in small elections, even if you get someone there that is going to be one or two people that will have the final decision that they have to go to. That gives a lot of power, even if they're not presidents or or they don't take very big, just with being in in small town Congress or stuff like that. That gives a lot of power. Just Well said. All right, guys, I'm going to head out. It is past my bedtime. Um, remember I'm off tomorrow on Wednesdays at YouTube. I'll be back Thursday night with Dr. West. So don't 
uh, missed that, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Other than that, see you then. Okay, see you later. Spinning. Looking for the, forward to that check game. Much love, Sabby. Sleep tight. Sweet dreams. See ya. Good night. Good night, everyone.